guys and welcome to the show. Today we have a fun one as always because it is Jubilee Middle Ground and this one is a tricky, tricky subject, isn't it? In the days of Ozempic and body positivity and Big Pharma and McDonald's and Taco Bell, we're going to be having a middle ground conversation that surrounds the idea of weight and health with skinny people versus fat people. It is most definitely going to be an interesting one, but before we get into that, we have Taylor in Nashville. You leave my Taco Bell alone, Envelope. That is <laughs> that is my comfort food. Leave it alone. But yeah, I'm a little nervous. This is going to be a bit of a heavy topic we're going to get into today, but uh, here we go. Yes. Uh, for some reason, this seems to be just a very sensitive subject for quite a few people, but you know how we're going to engage on this show. We're going to be compassionate, but we're also going to be honest. The title of this video is, Is Being Fat a Choice? Middle Ground. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm sorry, there's, there's a very a different, there's a yeah. difference between the people who are telling people go out and get fat versus a Lizzo who's saying accept me yeah. the way I am. She's not just saying accept me the way I am. She's dressing extremely scantily clad and then saying if you don't think that it's normal for a morbidly obese person to be wearing a G-string in the middle of public, then you're the problem. How did I know Lizzo was going to get brought up? How did I know? You hear it and you're just like, okay, we it's know. It's a call of 10 is. seconds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lizzo's coming up at some point. Okay, middle ground. Being fat or skinny is a choice. Okay, prompt one, being fat or skinny is a choice. I am... Walking forward, of course, there are exceptions on both ends of the spectrum here, but for the most part, you have a lot of control over your body weight and your general health. Now, you could have a lot of barriers set in front of you that make it more difficult. When I'm thinking about you know, bigger people, fat people, I'm thinking things like disabilities, disease, not having proper education, all of these things can get in the way of health and, and fitness and moving towards a skinnier body. For skinny people, you have things like uh, high metabolism, you also have a certain, you know, other things that can be going on in your life, illnesses that could stop you from, from gaining weight. But for the most part, it is a choice. And I know a lot of people don't like to do it. Okay? Get a lot of heat. Taylor's nodding. Yeah, you've, you've, I'm nodding in agreement. You've already added all the caveats necessary. And yes, I agree. It is a choice. Yeah, for just most, most people. Uh, anyways, let's see what these different individuals, we have eight people on this panel, have to say about it. Agreeers. Of course, not every factor is purely choice. Um, I don't think that every factor is, but I do think a majority of it is. And in most cases, for most people, being skinny or being fat um, is about willpower. It's about um, the environment you grow up in, sure, but who you choose to associate with, what sort of things you choose to listen to, who you choose to kind of have as your friends around you and support you, all of those things are choices that you can make that will lead you closer towards being one or the other. I know what I do with my body. I know what I put into it day in and day out. I choose not to eat some days. Um, I choose, you know, how I want to look. And I don't fault anyone for how they want to look or how they want to be, but I think it's a choice at the end of the day. I'm very, you know, always wish-washy on how I want to be presented and if I want to gain weight or not. But the only person that's going to 
gain the weight at the end of the day is me and me myself. For me, it's calories in, calories out. Go to and I mean, I don't know what his like weight class is or whatever, if he's, you know, qualified as underweight or anything like that. But, you know, if you are in a skinnier, healthier body, there is no need to equate that with the lifestyle or the experience of a larger person. And I feel like in this discussion, they're saying, you know, if you're fat, you need to lose weight. If you're skinny, you need to gain weight. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Skinny is the, you know, the healthier default of the human body rather than being a larger person. So I'm curious if we're going to equate the two throughout this conversation and if that's going to be something that is a, a constant because so often people have discussions uh, surrounding being fat or skinny and they equate the two. And to me, they are not not the same. Go to the gym, you'll get buff. Don't go to the gym, you won't get buff. <laughs> I understand that there's genetics that could cause you to want to eat more, but even with the genetics that cause you to want to eat more, the same solution is calories in, calories out. I think yeah. the, the whole choice is, you know, always determined on who they are, and it's not going to just be a thing done overnight. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of, I think it's like breaking the barrier and breaking a lot of things, not only your body, but also breaking your mental state. Sure. And Again, that depends on who you are and what you want to go through. Disagreeers? Okay. I wonder what they're going to have to say. I felt like as a toddler, I always viewed myself as big. I grew up in a very like poor home, so where my mom couldn't provide the meals that she could healthily. So when we would get like free meals even then, it would be like canned food, and it would be like very much food that's not as edible. It was food for us, yes, but then I felt like once I reached a point where I was old enough to try to make my own choices, I made all of the wrong choices. I wasn't eating, and I was only eating like grapes and lettuce, and that was mainly because I was in a sport, and that sport just worked me out so hard. And it was to the point where I just was scared to eat. I, I didn't like it. I would only drink water. When that you were was, eating grapes and lettuce, were you thin? I was the thinnest I could be. Were you still big, I though? Not, I was still big. I'm going to pause and I'm going to be legit with you guys. Uh, and this is just being straightforward. If you are a human being and you are only eating grapes and lettuce and drinking water, for the most part, the the very act of just chewing and digesting that food would have you almost at like, you know, your, the calories would even out with what you're what you're burning. So it just would not be true if that was her actual diet, that she would still be a larger individual if she consistently did that for, you know, an extended period of time, just eating grapes, lettuce and drinking water. That is just a fact. OK, it's, it's a simple fact. If any of us decided tomorrow we are for an extended period of time going to eat grapes, lettuce and drink water we would be losing weight. And especially if you're coupling that with what her story is of doing extreme fitness and, and being an athlete and taking a sport very seriously, you're, first of all, that, that sounds like disordered eating. And if you couple that with the excessive exercise that she says that she's doing, you would be dropping weight. And if you are not dropping weight, eating grapes, lettuce, and drinking water, you would be an anomaly of you know human beings if you were an animal with the same diet and you're not dropping weight scientists would be like what the hell is going on here because this does not make sense so i'm just gauging some inconsistencies <laughs> in the story possibly <laughs> 
Yeah, I suppose it's physically possible to consume enough grapes to be overeating calorically and put yourself in a calorie surplus and be right. gaining weight or to be meeting your your daily calorie needs just in the form of grape fructose. Uh, but I don't think that that's a very healthy or nourishing way to go about it anyways. And it sounds like she's just saying she, she tried a certain diet that was very restrictive um, that didn't work out for her. And that seems to be how she became demoralized into maybe stop trying to uh, lose weight altogether. Yeah. And it does sound like I said, it sounds like disordered eating and it, it sucks to have gone through that struggle and to view food in, food in that way. But I would like to hear more about like what other processes she has undergone, what her thinking is towards food, how she views uh, weight and education surrounding health and food, because so far it's not lining up for me. But that was the skinniest I've ever been. And that's coming from somebody who was only eating somewhat salads that are just fruit and lettuce and water and maybe ice right before a practice. Do you think that right now you would not be capable of becoming a thin woman? If I you possibly to? would be capable of becoming a thin woman, but since I was young, I was supposed to get blood tested probably when I was very, very young, and I never did. And they had mentioned that it could have been because of my weight and how that connects with my thyroid. I never made the connection and I never had like that, like leaning parent to be like, go and get checked out, go and do this. Like your weight is probably not your fault. It was always like, your weight is your fault. So that's your issue. I mean, I also struggle with, you know, thyroid and my own mm -hmm. blood issues. I'm not quite sure, but I do see an endocrinologist and I go see a doctor. It's a choice mm -hmm. to do the requisite steps. It's a choice to go grocery shopping instead of going to fast food when mm -hmm. it's easy. It's a choice when you're grocery shopping to go to the outer aisles and like not go into the bread section and not go into the junk food section. These are all choices. Oh, I can tell she's a tough love girly. She's just gonna say it like it is on this show, which to some extent I can appreciate. So long as there is, you know, balance uh, with other people who are talking and sharing their experience. I'm curious to see how she's received throughout this episode, but she is just being straight. And I get it. There are people who deal uh, in, in women in particular, things like PCOS, uh, hypothyroidism affects both men and women. There's a lot of different things that you could be struggling with that could affect your weight. But what I would like to push back on is that once you get uh, the diagnosis of hypothyroidism or PCOS, that you are consigned to a life of obesity. And that seems to be the mindset that this young woman has of, oh, I never got the education as a young kid and I should have been diagnosed with this. And now that I know that, I know that entirely weight is not my fault. And, you know, a lot of people will reinforce that belief for you and say, yep, as soon as you get the diagnosis, that means it's not your fault anymore. Or you could view it as, yeah, I got a tough set of cards, but that means I'm going to have to put in, you know, X amount of work extra in order to maintain a healthy weight. And not because society is telling me that skinny is beautiful. We can have that discussion and go back and forth on that. But because it is going to be better for me as a human being, for my longevity, for getting around and just for my overall health and wellness to get on the other end of whatever it is that I'm dealing with, even though it may be harder for me. And that's the same logic that you've talked about many times on the show, uh, Amala, is with like the whole victimhood narrative and with, with, with regard to race. Uh, if you accept this narrative that, well, life's going to be difficult for me because of my skin color or my height or whatever mm -hmm. uh, you want to 
put as the label, like then you can adopt that mentality that I no longer have agency and you blame the system or blame society uh, for imposing all these norms on you and you become an activist to kind of uh, fight against these these norms. When in reality, yes, there, there may be different challenges that you're facing based on the circumstances in your life that are outside of your control. But there are still lots of things that are within your control uh, that allow you to take life by the horns and become successful or be healthy. And it's really sad that when it's your personal health at stake, uh, that you could just adopt this mentality and, and uh, absolve yourself completely of any sort of agency and uh, just become an activist against ideals that are actually uh, preventing people from uh, becoming unhealthy or having negative outcomes with their health. Right. And it's okay to do an analysis of like where things went wrong in my life. She's saying, I didn't get this diagnosis. I never got blood tests. My parents didn't educate me. My parents gave me this food. It's okay to acknowledge that those things happened to you. But at the end of that, you need to take stock of yourself and say, what can I do to better myself? What responsibility can I take? And a lot of people will cite a lack of education when it comes to health, which is a very valid thing. If you're not educated on healthy foods, how to eat properly, what's right for your body, then it is going to be difficult to maintain a healthy lifestyle, especially in adulthood. But if you can acknowledge your lack of education, that means you can acknowledge there is a path out of it. And you hear this a lot with uh, woke ideology, and I'm going to tie it back to, to a lot of the conversations we have surrounding other issues. People complain so much about being oppressed and all the things that happen to them, but never take stock of where they should be personally accountable to themselves. And, you know, the most oppressed people, in my opinion, are the ones who don't even know that they're oppressed. The most uneducated people who never learned about health and wellness are the ones who have no idea what the other side looks like or what a lack of education even is. So if you can acknowledge that you've had a lack of education, you can acknowledge the path to becoming educated and to doing something better for yourself. As a disabled woman, I can't do a lot of the things that people say, calories in, calories out, oh, you gotta go work out and exert it. A lot of the things that are typical, oh, this is how you lose weight, put me in the hospital. I have to navigate weight differently. I have to look at it differently. My weight is the way it is because of medication, because doctors put me in this position, and I had to learn, okay, am I going to be so hateful of my own body that I am going to backlash and put myself through extreme gym nights, through keeping myself from eating things that I should be able to eat. You should be able to have a balance. You should be able to go into the junk food aisle like other skinny people do and still not have to worry about gaining 20 pounds. But I don't think skinny lost me at the end. I get it. I have a lot, a lot of sympathy. If you have a disease, you're struggling with medication. There's a lot of people who take meds that, you know, affect water weight and your metabolism and all these things. But still, it's like excuse after excuse after excuse. Doctors put me in this position. My disease put me in, in this position. And I don't know yet what her affliction is. Hopefully she shares that so we can get, gain some more context. But at the end of the day, you do have personal choices that you can make. And if you're not an individual who knows that they can go to the gym and do 30 minutes of activity every day, then take stock of your diet and see where we can start cutting things down. And yes, not going to the junk food aisle as she says she's entitled to, which is a really interesting you know, take on it. She says, I should be able to go to the junk food aisle like everybody else. I guess you could look at life like that which I don't know why you would be fighting for 
something that is not good for you, fighting to do something unhealthy. It's like saying, I should be able to go to the gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes like everybody else. Well, yeah, I guess you should be able to do that. But is that something that we want to fight for right now in this moment? Or do we want to fight for a healthier body and a healthier mind? And if you can't work out every day, then you should look at diet, which diet is more responsible for weight than anything else. So to default to this idea that you can't work out just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. And real quick, there's, you know, there's reality and then there's the stories we tell ourselves in order to cope with reality. And I feel like all of us, uh, it's in our interest to understand the truth and knowing that, Hey, okay, yes, I have. And like, to your point, the utmost sympathy for people who have issues that prevent them from being able to move about the world um, in a way that is, quote unquote, healthy, that mm-hmm. have issues with their their digestion or thyroid or whatever it may be that, that make it more difficult to maintain a healthy weight. Uh, utmost sympathy of that. But then it's a whole nother matter entirely to tell yourself a story that justifies you going to the junk food aisle by having a... Uh, uh, a la- a, I don't want to say lazy. That's like, I feel like that's like a <laughs> a curse word in this discussion, but right. a, a lifestyle of laziness where you're not, you're not even willing to put forth a little bit of effort to do the things that you can do. And no one's saying that every person needs to look like a fitness model, but we are saying that you should be able to take the steps that, that are reasonable, actionable based on truth and science about your physiology in order to maintain a healthy weight. And if you're not even doing things that can be moving you toward that or keeping yourself within a lifestyle that uh, is, you know, is on a better trajectory than going to the junk food aisle and not doing any physical exercise, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And I think we view junk food as being like a staple of life. It's crazy how uh, much of an attachment we have to junk food as a culture when other cultures do not have that. They do not even have the opportunity to have a junk food aisle. Yet we are here like fighting over whether or not we should be able to like eat Skittles and Snickers bars or whatever. And I can almost guarantee and here's like maybe something that should be grappled with. If you have a chronic disease or illness, I can guarantee you eating unhealthy food is not helping that illness whatsoever. It's going to perpetuate the illness even further, and it's going to make it worse for you down the line. Many people go into this junk food aisle. They certainly do. They They eat a lot of junk food. Yeah, I mean, mean, my DoorDash would tell you otherwise. (laughs) There's a thing called set points. There's a ton of research on it that your body likes to be at specific weights. It likes to be in a specific way. Mm -hmm. So if you are fighting yourself to lose weight by not eating over exercising, and you are damn near killing yourself to be at a specific weight, your body's unhappy. Pause. Okay, there's so many things to unpack here. And I, 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 so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so many things. First of all, I, I had my boyfriend watch this video. He's very passionate about this subject. And he's like immediately hearing the, the skinny side being like, oh, well, I eat a lot of junk food. Look at my DoorDash or whatever. And he's like, okay, just because the junk food is not making you fat does not mean that it is not negatively impacting your body. If you are a skinny person who is eating junk food all day long and, you know, just as much as a fat person is, just because you are not gaining weight does not mean that your heart is not affected, your whole entire system is affected, your metabolism is affected, your immune system is affected, it's causing inflammation. There's a million other problems that you are also going to deal with. You're just not dealing with the outward-facing 
weight gain that unfortunately bigger people have to deal with. So there's that. And then this idea of, of set points and this idea that if you are constantly fighting your body to get skinnier, you should give up the fight. I can guarantee you, you know, like if you are morbidly obese and you feel like you're fighting your body as a means of, of losing weight, it's going to feel like that because your body is conditioned to want unhealthy food. Your systems are conditioned to want unhealthy food. So it's going to feel like a fight for a very long time until, you know, you get to a path that is healthier. And I can also guarantee that, like, if you're struggling really hard through it, she says, moving yourself damn near to death, you will not die in the pursuits of, uh, you know, a healthier body for the most part. Of course, there are always extremes that lie on the outskirts as, as outliers here, but it's not, you're not working yourself to death to get to a healthier body weight. No, and just to the point about set points, like, it's true that homeostasis is a thing and that your body does try to establish a certain like midpoint. This is normal. This is what we're trying to recover back to and rise to if you fall above it or if I fall below it. But you can change that. And uh, as an example, when I was uh, earlier in my 20s, I was very skinny and I was you know, I'm about six one. Uh, at that time, I weighed just about maybe 170 pounds soaking wet, which maybe by some people's standards is very skinny. But I, I was always my, you know, my brother's six four and two twenty. So uh, I wanted to I wanted to bulk up. Mm -hmm. And my homeostasis was keeping me at 170, even though I was exercising all the time and eating reasonably healthy, but I wasn't consuming enough calories on a consistent basis, uh, incrementally increasing them over my homeostasis point uh, in order to build muscle that I was stimulating with that uh, exercise that and the weightlifting that I was doing. So I had to, I, my, I had a friend who had uh, gone on that journey before me, he had actually lost a bunch of weight, and then bulked up and got to be shredded. And I was like, dude, what did you do? And he sent me some resources that laid out for me kind of just the, the simple calories in calories out sort of science of it and how you can feed your muscle growth with uh, having excess calories, but those calories shouldn't just be empty junk food calories, you need to get the right amount of lean protein and, and break down your macros in a, in the prescribed way. And anyway, I followed his, uh, his this regimen, I designed this process, and it was uh, pretty inconvenient. It wasn't fun. I was mm -hmm. quote, unquote, fighting my body in this person's uh, terminology. But over the span of a couple of weeks, I gained five pounds. And then I had to uh, increase the calories again. And over the span of three months, I gained something like 20 pounds. Um, and of course, over over time, as you're bulking, you, it starts to get more fat with the muscle. And so then I stopped. And ever since then, I've lost some of that some of that excess weight. And I've been walking around at around 185 for the last several years, establishing a new set point, a new homeostasis. I had to fight to get there, but it took designing a process and being meth methodical and dealing in reality, like I was talking about before and understanding the facts and the science behind uh, how your body as a physiological entity kind of works. And one last thought is I've been reading this, this Atomic Habits book. It's been a trendy book the last couple of years mm -hmm. about habits. But one of the things he he mentions is that uh, that your current results, the where you're sitting is a lagging indicator of your prior habits or prior systems that you've been following. And instead of setting goals, you design a system. And anyway, that's exactly what I had to do to move from one point to another. Uh, that would be my set point. So it is possible is my point. Thanks for yeah. listening to my <laughs> TED Talk. No, no, it's good. It's just like, just a little 
ownership. A little ownership is always a, a good thing. And we fight that. I fight it in my own different ways. And I'm sure Taylor fights it in his own different ways. And we all go through this struggle, but just a, a little bit of ownership. It's important to note, note that a choice can be harder for people to make due to conditions in their life. Yes. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's still a choice. Love I it. could say that I had food addiction. I looked to food when I was stressed and this and that and this. And so it's harder for me to choose it than for someone who has like the perfect lifestyle, who someone who has parents who are giving them this and that and this. But I definitely still acknowledge that it was my choice. At the end of the day, when I go there and I look and I see, hmm, should I order a second hamburger? I'm the one choosing whether or not I order that second hamburger. I'm the one making that choice. Yeah. Uh, add to skip, 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 fat. Okay. Well, let's get back into the episode. I would rather be skinny than fat. Yeah, I'm gonna walk forward for this one. Um, it's just, it's just a healthier place to be as a human being. I think it's gonna bring about the best results for you and bring about the most longevity for you, bring about the best state for you mentally. And yeah, I think. To me, that's like, it's kind of like a no brainer. Even if you are somebody who is like a body positivity campaigner and in that movement, the idea that you wouldn't want something that's going to bring about more longevity and just a happier state of being for you, it does astound me. But I imagine there's many people who say, oh no, I, who, because of the like virtue signaling we've put around weight and the general message we have surrounding weight in our current culture, they would not walk forward for this statement and that's kind of unfortunate because it is just reality yeah and it's a reality that again is associated with there's a laundry list of negative health outcomes associated with being overweight and obese and unless we're talking about skinny in this in this question being something where you're completely malnourished and emaciated right and, you know whatever like uh just on balance you, you'd be honestly feel literally a fool because of it actually affects your health negatively yeah. to be overweight um to choose to choose the uh to choose to be fat rather than skinny and i mean that's that's just again a simple <laughs> a matter of fact and you'd have mm -hmm. to be almost ideologically possessed to believe otherwise because you're doing something that is actually not in your best interest for your actual health yeah, and there will be those who are ideologically possessed guarantee it can the agreeers please step forward I think there's a lot of different struggles when it comes to being a bit bigger. And I have a sister that is very, like she's 400 pounds and she struggles a lot. She has lymphedema and the, to shower is really, really hard. So I do think for like an overall happy life and like zero struggle, I think I'd rather be skinny. I think that it is common in society to want to be skinny. I think the average person typically wants to be skinny. I'm actually surprised that I didn't see more people come forward on that question. People treat you better. Um, it is what is considered the standard of beauty. Your life expectancy is longer. You tend to be healthier. Well, I'm also really tall. I'm six foot six. So I kind of wish I uh, could just pick a single struggle because uh, mm. finding the clothes and things like that when you're bigger both ways can make it really hard. So if I was skinnier, at least that's one less thing I have to worry about. But also I've got uh, two kids and a wife and I'm taking care of them. And as you pointed out, I definitely think that I'm at less health risks if I'm a skinnier person, mm. if I'm a healthier person in that capacity. And I would much rather 
be that so that I could be around for my kids longer. I love the way he stated that. And it's just, uh, it doesn't insinuate anything. It doesn't bring forward societal expectations surrounding Wade or what the beauty standard is. It's just a simple statement of as a father who loves my family and loves my children, I want to be around them for as long as I possibly can. And being in a fitter body is the way to get there in, in his case. So that is a beautiful statement and it doesn't bring in any negativity or, you know, any sort of negative connotation. It's just a simple fact that if he was in a skinnier body, he'd more than likely be around for his kids longer than he will be in his current state. Can the disagreeers please step forward? I'm speaking as someone who actually was a former smaller person. Mm -hmm. And I had the most body insecurities when I was small. I was constantly living in fear of gaining weight and having people tell me, oh, don't, don't gain weight, don't do this, make sure that your weight is the same. And once I finally gained weight, I realized that, first off, life wasn't over. I didn't feel any need to not engage in life the previous way that I had. And the attention that I got was different. But even as a smaller person, you get negative attention. And rather than trying to control my body to avoid that negative attention, I would prefer to address the situation as a society, make it more accessible for everybody to where we aren't feeling like I have to be a certain way that's normal in order to be treated like a human being and respected. Okay. I, I can tell that when she, the way she's stating it, a lot of people are going to be like, yes, queen, that's exactly right. It's society's issue. We need to, you know, stabilize the way that we treat people who are bigger. And by all means, I don't think we should go around bullying people who are bigger or who struggle with their weight. But so much of her explanation as to why she sees no difference between being skinny and fat is like externalized to other people and their opinions about her and how it changes her mental health. That's one thing to think about, uh, but the other thing is just to ask yourself, what is healthier? And she's saying, I want to engage in life in the same way I did when I was a smaller person, but the reality of it is, if you get to a certain weight, you can't engage in life the same way you would as in you know a fitter, uh, more able-bodied individual. And of course, her disease and illness is uh, you know separate from that. I'm purely talking about weight. At a certain point, if you continue to influence a culture that does this or to say that it is the same as being a skinnier or fitter person, you are telling a lie. It's hard to tell the truth in a world full of lies. <laughs> and it's just simply a lie. You might feel the same way about life or you may feel better about yourself, but how you feel is not correlated to what the reality is and what the facts of the matter are. Right. And saying that you felt insecure, more insecure when you were thinner or smaller, that doesn't justify becoming bigger. The problem is the insecurity, yeah. not your body size. Yeah. And so you can have a healthy mentality in a healthy body. They're not mutually exclusive. So this idea that you need to gain weight in order to accept yourself is really backwards and misguided. You should. And, the, and look, there are skinny people with an unhealthy mentality, to her point. And there are larger people, I'm sure, who have a healthy mentality as well. And you, but the idea that you need to gain weight in order to accept yourself is just completely backwards. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I hope I hope she gets some pushback. That's what I, I hope. And soft pushback, of course, but pushback. If I could counter because I oh. was a bit. <laughs> 
immediately, if I could counter that. <laughs> bigger when I was younger, and that's when I was the most insecure. I would look in the mirror. I did have family members that were skinny, but then I had a family member that was much bigger. And just the way that I perceived myself, I hated it, and I even became anorexic to like not be big. I don't think skinny always equates to being healthy. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, I am fairly skinny. I'm 6'5". I'm 140 pounds last time I checked, and I'm severely underweight. And I, I know about this on a day-to-day -day basis. That being said, I don't know where I'd want to lean at an appropriate weight level. But I think it's important to understand for some skinny people, it's we're not living a great life. Oh, pause. Okay. I have to bring up another thing that John said. He's like... He's like, if you take a thousand people, right, and you put them in a room together and you say, I want the healthy people on the left side of the room and the unhealthy people on the right side of the room, of course you are going to get some skinny people that have to be on the unhealthy side of the room, right, because they have other things going on in their life. But do you know who is immediately disqualified? People who are obese. You are immediately relegated to the unhealthy side of the room. So, of course, you can make the argument that, you know, skinny people aren't leading the best lives and they're not always healthy. And yes, they do eat junk food, but they have a much better bet at being on the healthy side of the room than somebody who is obese. So we just have to grapple with that. I think like our immediate... I don't know if it's because we have patterned thinking. Our immediate reaction is to like, well, how can we compare this to somebody who's skinny or how can we make it the same on the other side? Instead of just saying they are two different things and let's address the issue. And we know we're not dealing with the issue of America being too skinny. And that has not been a problem for a very, very long time. We are dealing with the exact opposite issue. So we try to make ourselves feel better by saying, you know, oh, well, skinny people have problems too. And, you know, there's people who are also dealing with this. But can we deal with the, the elephant in the room first? Because it's a massive issue. By any I can't, means. Sorry, I can't help but yeah. saying the elephant in the room, the massive issue. I'm oh, sure y'all are getting so, the chatter saying the same sorry. thing. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. And sometimes I feel like that's always kind of lost in translation when they see someone who's really skinny. I, I guess yeah, it depends right. on what you mean. When you think of the term skinny, are you thinking of just like an average weight person or are you thinking of but how are you are now? I'm the average weight for like women in America. Yeah, like so women, like if we're talking about average. an average, <laughs> like. And that is an issue. That's an issue. Like, you can't use that to justify your argument because America has an obesity problem. So if you are the average weight of women in America, then we have, we have a problem. Houston, Houston, we have a problem. I'm gonna be the closest. Mm -hmm. If your biggest priority is to be in a smaller body, you need to reassess your priorities. Yeah, not focus on health. Yeah. And the immediate tie between. No, that's actually false. <laughs> it's actually false. If you, if you wake up in the morning as a larger person and you're thinking, you know what, my number one priority is how do I get into a healthier, healthier body and how do I uh, lose a little bit of weight? People will look at you and try to tell you that that is an unhealthy mindset to have. It is not necessarily an unhealthy mindset to have so long as you are trying to get there by healthy means, meaning that like you're not hurting your body in any way to try to achieve this goal. Having that one be one of your major priorities, if not the largest priority, should be something that is congratulated because that's the issue that we're dealing with right now in our world is that people are not making that their priority. And I think what these 
individuals are doing is they're equating a mindset of wanting to be in a skinnier body with one that is like purely conditioned based on societal standards. You can have that mindset and have it be purely about health and just wanting to be in a body that is servicing you better than your current state is now. You will have a clearer mind. You will have a clearer immune system. Your All the systems in your body will be working better if you are working towards uh, a healthier state of being. So I think they have so many maybe internalized insecurities from dealing with weight throughout their lives, yeah. which is something that I wish we could relieve them of, that they are equating this mindset of wanting to be in a healthier body with something that is inherently negative, and it's not inherently negative to think that way. Skinniness and health, like you emphasize, there is such a gap between one the research because the research has a huge fat phobic bias mm -hmm. in it and there has been research that shows that they aren't even especially during let's say covid covid and the correlation between obesity they rushed through those studies so fast because in society's mind oh of course a fat person is going to equal someone who's going to get sick faster is going to get sick easier it was an easy jump mm -hmm. so they didn't do all of the testing that they were supposed to do they didn't check their bias so they didn't check. Saying that's just true that's just true. The study is biased. You're saying that the study didn't account for the variable that obesity may also take a factor into. It's just that there's so many variables in humanity that these pharmaceutical companies could only account for so many during their trials. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're biased. However, you want to talk about bias in studies, actually recently we've been doing the opposite. So for instance, a lot of our studies have been based on BMI. Mm -hmm. And so we've been showing that, oh, fat people aren't necessarily extremely unhealthy if we look at people with a certain BMI. However, bodybuilders <laughs> also have a really high BMI. Yeah. And so That's they really get right. counted into that category. And so it wasn't until very recently that they equated for that mistake, and it shows, oh my goodness, being fat is actually extremely unhealthy, like way, way more unhealthy than we ever realized. You can't gauge health by yeah. looking at somebody. Yeah. Like, none of my health issues, all of them precipitated my weight gain, but mm -hmm. I always get assumed, oh, don't you want to be skinny so that you don't have a cane anymore and you don't feel the way you feel? And it's like, no, because I have lupus, and I'm always yeah. going to feel like this. <laughs> See, there it is. Okay, so we did get a clue into what she is struggling with. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the full extent of her diagnosis, but she's dealing with lupus, which if I do know anything about lupus, I know that it's an inflammatory disease. So you have a lot of different inflammatory responses happening in your body. It affects the immune system, things like that. Do you know what also is inflammatory on the body? <laughs> bad foods. Bad foods are super inflammatory on the body. So she's relegating herself to this existence of I'm constantly going to struggle through lupus and lupus is causing X, Y, Z in my body. But if you continue to, you know, head to the junk food aisle, as she states she should be entitled to just like skinny people are, that's going to inflame your lupus even more. You're going to struggle even more through life and have a longer road to becoming healthier, even if you are continuously dealing with a chronic illness. So I just hate that the the discussion is becoming around like societal pressure and how we view food and, you know, insecurity rather than like, 
what's going to alleviate this chronic illness that I'm dealing with and that I've been diagnosed with and how can I make that better for me? Because it's one thing to feel entitled for junk to junk food, which is going to give you, you know, instant gratification and instantly give you that dopamine hit and make you feel better. But what's going to make you happier in the long run and alleviate some of the probably very daily harsh symptoms that you're dealing with with an inflammatory disease? Like CRPS, it's, it's going to yeah. deteriorate. It's going to continue. America has an obesity problem. You know I'm walking forward for this. I don't have to say anything. Can I sit next to you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, perfect. I think it's pretty clear. You look at the weight of the average American, you see how obesity has affected not just children. I mean, the fact that we have more younger and younger people who are looking heavier and heavier. And you, you see that, like, you know, the, the way that weight affects us as a society. And you compare that to how we were in the past. Now, not, not that we should always, you know, we shouldn't compare ourselves to the era of the Great Depression when people just <laughs> yeah. couldn't find food, of course. But yeah. people are heavier now in an unhealthy way. And people have, are eating unhealthy. They ha are eating it through unhealthy access to food. They're eating diets high in seed oils. They're eating high in corn syrup. They're, they're doing all this kind of stuff that's not good for them that we didn't used to do. And it's bad. It's not, not a good thing. It's an epidemic. And First of all, I love Dominic. I think he's like very, he seems very just sweet and kind and, and reasonable. One thing I do want to say is obviously we should not compare ourselves and our weight to the lives of those living under in, in the Great Depression and things like that. But I do want to talk about moments of food scarcity and places, different countries, cities where people are dealing with food scarcity. Are those people obese? Okay, because if we're going to make the argument that obesity is completely, uh, you know, separate from food and it's chronic illness and genetics that is causing obesity, how is it that people who are dealing with food scarcity don't have, you know, obesity epidemics happening? It's because calories in, calories out, what you're eating, how you're moving, how your body is metabolizing is key to your, your weight. So very rarely are you seeing people who are struggling with food scarcity being morbidly obese, and it's because obesity is tied to what you are putting in your body, as well as other, you know, compounding factors. But that's something that should be acknowledged. It needs to be, it needs to be quashed in some capacity. There's so much access to just anything yeah. like it's so crazy these days and you know I'm so surprised that we're actually supporting a lot of this mm -hmm. you know and there's always people like you know like it's fine that we have like three McDonald's like on the same street <laughs> and it's just like we don't think that this is adding to the problem. What I think is really sad about that is so many people in America just see the profit in it. I don't want to say I know that these people know the problem, but it's like, how can you not see the problem? They have to see it and just not care. They have to just be like, well, we're gaining profit. Do you see how much this McDonald's is making? Yep. Yep. Put another one across the street. Like, that's just like <laughs> how it is. hundred percent. If, if, if corporations tomorrow found out I'm going to make a whole bunch of money off of people being skinny and healthy. You know what they'd be peddling to you? They'd be telling you to get outdoors, go buy a bicycle, go running around, eat, you know, this, that, and the other to maintain a healthy weight and all this stuff. But they don't make money off of that. They make money off of you, you know, going to the grocery store and buying, you know, Skittles and Oreos and, you know, ice cream and all this stuff. They make money off of the fact that you now have to buy a bunch of clothes and, you know, move in the plus size direction. They make money off the fact that you now have a chronic illness where you rely on big pharma or you uh, gain so much weight that you want Ozempic. There's a ton of different 
arenas in which you are just a consumer who is ripe for the picking and the bigger you get, the better it is for these corporations and the power that, that powers that be. Does that mean all the blame lies on them? No, because if you're aware enough to say they're profiting off of this, you're also aware enough to use your dollar and vote with your dollar uh, and incentivize health within your own life to make it where these corporations are not profiting off of your consumption of literal poison. And of course, I'm a skinny person. I have uh, junk food every now and then as well. And it's, it's something that I do. So we're all sort of slaves to the consumption that is happening right now. But we have all the power within us to make that not be the reality, to say we're going to shop in the produce aisle and we're going to eat whole foods and we're not going to patronize your business anymore. But for the sake of comfort and dopamine hits, we do it anyways. Right. And I think that's an important point is that the reason why a lot of these fast food chains and, you know, the, the interests of big ag and big food and all this stuff continue this this profit motive. And, and pe I feel like people blame that stuff, but there's they're responding to a demand in the market. And so these problems are intertwined. There's an educational problem. There's a cultural problem mm -hmm. on the uh, demand side as well of people who are uneducated, uneducated about their health and what the, the healthiest choices should be. And the culture that they live in and have been brought up in often lends itself to less healthy choices and more convenient choices. And I think we're all we're all guilty of that. But uh, I think we make a mistake whenever we point out the corruption of the big food interests and such that are trying to keep us unhealthy while also not acknowledging our own power over the demand side of the equation. Yeah. And if we could uh, ameliorate uh, the educational side of things and put a higher cultural premium uh, on making better uh, healthy lifestyle choices, then yeah, we could make we could actually make progress. But uh, as long as we're pointing to fast food industry and the grocery industry or whatever it may be as a reason that justifies us, again, maintaining unhealthy attitudes and lifestyles, we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And you can have this mindset of like, oh, they're controlling me. It's their fault. I blame them. Or you can like look at yourself and being like, oh, my gosh, I'm a sheep to like this corporation that's controlling what I eat and take some personal accountability and like become a victor in your own right fighting against what yeah is a pretty oppressive force of corporations sort of shoveling this stuff and putting it at your your doorstep say you know what despite everything that's happening in my environment and all the different arrows that are pointing me to a life of being unhealthy i'm going to turn the other way and be the victor because of it and i'm going to outsmart them and i'm going to outlast them quite literally <laughs> you are going to outlast them so yeah, it's it's the truth will set you free, right? Like uh, knowing the truth about the negative health outcomes of obesity sets you free to now set yourself on a trajectory to empower yourself with regard to your health in the same way. The truth will set you free with regard to the way that, oh, these big interests are trying to impose this unhealthy lifestyle on me. I'm now empowered uh, to use the truth in order to design a lifestyle for myself that counteracts that. And I'm not going to fall victim to what these big interests are trying to manipulate and control me to do. So the, you want to find out the facts about how to avoid negative health outcomes and pursue positive ones and uh, apply your, your dollars and, and your choices in the right way. Mm -hmm. And that'll lead that, that sets you free to lead a healthy lifestyle. Uh, but as long as we're, we're making excuses and making it about the, the debate or whatever, your health's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. You might feel better about punching up 
at the system and blaming society and it might make you feel better about not having a healthy lifestyle. But at the end of the day, you're still losing because your health is uh, suffering is, is the is followed by the wayside. Yep. Set yourself free. Be the person who breaks your own chains. Yes. The co corporations, it's the yeah. medical industry. Mm -hmm. Having a fat country makes us money. It doesn't help that our cities aren't walkable either. No. Yeah, America no. is a country of non walkable <laughs> That was, That yeah. is why I, I wavered a little bit because <laughs> I think we have a problem with how to treat obesity. Mm -hmm. I think we have a problem with how to make it so that it is not an epidemic. This is a systemic thing mm -hmm. that we are in a society and in an environment that breeds this yep. and mm -hmm. we are doing it to ourselves, we are doing it to our children and our corporations and our industries are doing it to us and they aren't having to take responsibility And they're encouraging it with media. So and the yes. mukbangs, I was literally going to bring that up, you the mukbangs and like all those videos that just yes. come up yeah, to trends. For not only the well. mukbangs but also like Lizzo and other big like media. I'm sorry. There's, there's a very a different there's a big difference between the people who are telling people go out and get fat versus a Lizzo who's saying fat. accept yeah. me the way I am. She's not mm. just saying accept me the way I am. She's dressing extremely scantily clad and then saying if you don't think that it's normal for a morbidly obese person to be wearing a g-string in the middle of public, then you're the problem. And She's making the wrong point right now, but I understand what she's trying to say. The point to be made is that Lizzo, some would argue, oh, well, Lizzo is encouraging it by just existing. I'm not going to make that point. Lizzo is actively encouraging it by saying the way that I'm leading my life and the way that I look is the picture of health. And she has made that very clear in a lot of her body positivity campaigning and her movement against fat phobia. She also is one to go and bully those who are living healthier lifestyles. I think she has a, songs where she says, you know, this, this is for you skinny hoes and stuff like that, which clearly shows animosity towards people who, by most medical markers, are living healthier lifestyles. So when that is the message that you are injecting into the culture and saying, not only is this healthy, but I don't like those who are leading a healthier lifestyle than I am actually in reality, that is a harmful message. Lizzo going out and wearing a G-string is no different than some other skinny woman going out, you know, and doing that in the street. It's all about the messaging that is tied to what you're doing. And she is saying this is healthy. And they're trying to normalize society to this obese culture, which is extremely unhealthy. And what is an obese culture? A culture yeah. which, like, normalizes like, I'm obese obesity. and I haven't even heard that. Well, obesity is already normal, so... It's, yeah. I don't think it should be. It's not normal. And we all, it's interesting that like, it seemed, I think all of the people who are on the fat end of the spectrum in this middle ground came forward to say, America has an obesity problem. And then she's asking, what is an obesity culture? Well, we've simply defined it in the fact that we are living in a culture that is comparatively obese to other countries. And if you can walk forward, it's interesting that like, not all of them, because Dominic seems pretty reasonable, but they're walking forward and saying, yep, I agree, we live in an obese country, but my obesity is not my problem. It's actually the doctors, and it's actually the the education that I got, and it's I am in, in no way responsible for the obesity that I am dealing with. It's an interesting coupling of ideas. Normalized, and it has, and it wasn't normal. But just a what's couple the difference ago. between a obese person, myself, walking around in a g-string or a bathing suit, as I do almost every day, and a skinny person? 
like see she made the wrong point and now what's going to happen is because she's getting like a gotcha on this point about the g-string people are going to completely throw away the actual point that she should have been making that lizzo is encouraging an unhealthy lifestyle so now you like lose you throw out the baby with the bathwater, as taylor says and now mm-hmm. everything is gone because you didn't make the exact right point when talking about lizzo like is it okay that the skinny person is doing that I don't think so, but that's where all the reasons come I get the whole public thing. To say that when Lizzo does it is the same as a Victoria's Secret angel well, is just not the same. Yeah, what's the difference? It, what do you mean? Are you telling that's me they look, you're telling me it doesn't I'm not saying they look the same. Well, I mean, Lizzo goes on stage. That's the implication. So yeah, if yeah. I walk down the street, I'm a runway model. I'm a print and runway model. I have walked down a runway in a thong. So me doing that is shameful, but a skinny model is like okay. I didn't, model. I don't know if I use the phrase shameful, but I don't think mm. that we as a society should be modeling obesity. So but I'm not modeling obesity, I'm modeling the lingerie that obese people need to be able to have availability to buy. Yeah. So, lo- so they've always had the ability no. to buy. She's not gonna win here because it's just not the right foundation for the argument. I we have not. Lingerie. We a single yeah. underwear is like almost $20. Yeah. And you go to like any other Walmart, any Target, and like all these underwears are in special for like five to like twenty dollars and stuff. Well, it and does it, take like, more fabric to make it. It does take more fabric. They to They use make that it, as an excuse, but that you would make yards of fabric yeah. for gowns. You, like, is a small a different price than an extra large or a it, large? It is. And, and yeah, we're willing I, for three XL shirts. I got to pay more money. I think people view models and Instagram people and all of us who are plus size and proud as we're pushing this obese lifestyle. No, I am pushing the fact that this is what I live in. This is my life. And I need other people who feel this way to say, hey, I want to be able to wear clothes that look cute too. It's just not a point. Okay, yeah, people who are going to buy plus size clothing, they probably want to see a model who's wearing the plus size clothing just so they can see what it looks like. That's one thing. It's another thing to like put the plus size model on the cover of Cosmopolitan and say health at any size. And that's what where the distinction needs to be drawn. It's it's one thing to say, here's what these clothes look like on bigger people. It's another thing to say, and it's better to be bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we we miss that. I do think there's a problem with obesity in America, but I think it's a first world country problem because mm-hmm. it's spread across the globe. And also, I don't see it as a problem. I do feel like health-wise, people should try to be healthier, but there's no perfect body. There's no perfect person. There's no perfect size. And there's people who are underweight. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them. And then there's a lot of people who are overweight. Nowhere near the same. Nowhere near the same if you just break down the numbers and nowhere near the same when it comes to just like life expectancy and how you're going to live. To say that like there's a lot of obese people running around and not couple that with like heart disease, diabetes, chronic illness, the effect on your immune system, all these different things. It's just, you're just doing a disservice to people. And we live in a culture now where we're like, we're totally okay with doing an utter disservice to people so long as it makes them feel good. Like imagine walking up to anybody with any other affliction or any other addiction and being like, you know what? There's people who don't smoke crack who are also unhealthy too. So go ahead and keep smoking crack. I know your teeth are falling out and like you can't breathe and your your skin is all messed up and everything. But you know, there's people who don't smoke crack who are who are in, in, in a bad place too in life. So just continue doing what you're doing. You see how that sounds 
literally nuts. <laughs> that sounds so crazy. That's exactly what you're doing when you tell somebody, oh, it's okay to be, to be morbidly obese because there are some skinny people out there who are unhealthy too. It's just not helpful. It may be true to some degree, but it is most certainly not going to put anybody in a better place. In fact, what you are doing is becoming an enabler, which is the same thing you would be if you were telling a drug addict to continue to do their drugs because other people have bad situations too. You are enabling something that is going to lead to the death of that individual. And I don't think people make that connection enough because it's not immediate, but heart conditions, diabetes, these things, and even just eating uh, unhealthy foods for an extended period of time, you are shaving, you know, years off your life. And I think if people could feel that or it was tangible in some way, it would change a lot. Like if you went to the store and they say, you know, you, you can eat all this, you know, ice cream and chips or whatever, but we're going to take, you know, we're going to take two months off your life. People would put it back and set it back in the aisle and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to go over to the produce instead. But since you don't, we don't make that connection and nobody's willing to be honest and just say that to people because we like coddle people to make them feel better. You're ruining their lives and enabling them down a path that's never going to service them. And that's really sad because just take, take the immediate pain of telling the truth and it is infinitely smaller than the larger pain of never being told the truth and having to face the reality of the circumstances that you've placed yourself in. Take the small amount of pain. And real quick, I can't help but, but think and kind of see some parallels here that like, you know, the core issue that I think does have validity to it is your identity and your worth as a human being does not rise and fall on your body weight and your physical appearance yep. necessarily. And that is a good message that you shouldn't uh, feel insecure about who you are based on how you look per se. Um, but but whether or not when it comes to like negative health outcomes mm -hmm. that are associated with something like obesity, we can't overcorrect and say that that is actually good or healthy. You, It's one thing to accept yourself and say, this is, you know, my identity is not in my weight. My identity is not in my physical appearance. Yep. I have value and worth as a human being that is not uh, associated with that. And that's a good message and something positive. And you need to accept yourself in that way. But it's an overcorrection to say that my weight is my unhealthy weight that is objectively unhealthy is a good thing is a positive thing that others should celebrate and others should strive for that is something that should be striven for. And that to criticize it in any way is uh, somehow fat phobic or hateful or something right. like that. And I can't help but see parallel with like the the confusion around gender right now and how if you you feel like insecure or not confident in your identity and so instead of uh over instead of just accepting yourself for who you are and saying look i'm a complicated human being i have certain interests that may not align with stereotypes of what's masculine or feminine you overcorrect and swing all the way in the opposite direction and say yeah. this is who i am and if anyone criticizes it it's a hateful thing and now this is my new gender and these are my new pronouns and i'm part of this whole movement and i think a lot of this core uh, issue at hand is just a fundamental lack of self-acceptance and a lack of 
having a healthy sense of identity that is rooted in a true understanding of your worth as a human being, independent of your gender or your sexuality or your weight or your race or anything like that. And it's just a sign of the times in which we live uh, that that we've given so much power to identity politics, to having these different categories and finding our sense of self-worth in them, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just accepting ourselves, looking at the reality of the world in all its complexity, looking at ourselves and all of our God-given complexity of our personality and and our interests and passions and uh, all those things and and coming bringing that to bear in the world and finding your identity in that and living out your life as a unique individual person and a healthy person who's navigating reality with with a, a clear vision of what that is. Instead, we get all tied up in this this these identity politics and it doesn't help anybody. It it, it either translates you into this activist world where mm-hmm. that becomes your your whole purpose in life is is in these you know fighting for this group and opposing the oppressing you know patriarchal skinny normativeness or whatever <laughs> and it's not helping you just equipping you for for real life and helping you become the person that you were made to be and i think so i think this this lack of self-acceptance is really at the core of a lot of this you just got to separate separate the two at some point just to do the full to figure out the full scope of things so I, I really don't see it as like a problem. But just to touch on what you were saying, because I am in the fashion industry, I wanted to become a fashion designer, my dad was one, and they buy 10 rolls of fabric for one price. So it really doesn't cost that much to make underwear. Sure, but don't you also have to worry about distribution? I mean, if, if the average person is, let's say, in, in between small, medium, large, yes. and you're sending clothes out for those, you know you could send out 10,000 of this, 10,000 of that, 10,000 of that. You can't always send out 10,000 3XLs because you're not going to have that many people fitting in the 3XL. No, yep. because there's somebody who works in marketing and they research that, that um, mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. There's a census. Okay. So we have... A- Girl, it's basic math. It's basic math. If if society over time is getting bigger, that means you are going to be spending more on products and manufacturing those products because you're just simply using more material. It's all it's going to rise. It doesn't matter how you slice it, how you view the census or whatever. It goes it goes up. The database of what type of people are there. Now we don't know who's going in there, but we know the type of people that live in that area and the type of the people that come and visit the area. So that person is doing their job accordingly and usually large sizes are sold out. Okay, so somebody brought up the food desert earlier. I can't even think of an area that would have a so-called food desert. Sorry, can someone explain, like maybe just for my ignorance, I'm guessing a food desert is just there's no food anywhere? No, it's healthy options for food. So you can go into certain low-income areas and you'll see a Starbucks, a McDonald's, a Chick-fil-A, but there's no Trader Joe's. A food desert actually... Why do you think that is? Uh, it's demand. So Trader Joe's is, or Whole Foods or whatever, which is an argument that is often made, the argument of food deserts, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit. They say that low-income areas or income uh, or areas of color, they deal with food deserts, which means they don't have, you know, whole food options, they don't have healthy produce, and it's because stores just, for some reason, refuse to be in low-income communities of color, and they refuse. Whole Foods looks at uh, the map and goes, 
Black people, I think not. <laughs> they don't put a, they don't put a store there. Uh, we know that that's obviously not the case. So they're going to go based off demand. If they think that there's going to be a high demand for what it is they're selling, that is where the store is going to be. They're also going to take a risk assessment of what it means to be in an area where you're dealing with crime. You're dealing with people coming in and, and shoplifting uh, from from your store who are not paying for products, which is why you're seeing things like Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, all these different stores leaving major cities and metropolitan areas, which, yes, often can be full of low-income people of color because they're dealing with all these other issues that are not allowing them to make a profit. So I can nearly guarantee you stores are not refusing to be in certain areas just because they hate poor people, they hate black people, they hate Hispanics. It's because it doesn't benefit them to be there. Now, is there work that we need to do in making so making sure that low-income people and people of color have healthy food options? Absolutely. But I am not one to believe that just because you live in something that has been deemed to be a food desert, that you have no other option. And that seems to be the default mindset for a lot of people, to place blame and to say, I have no other options, and that is why I'm living the way that I live right now. And it's almost never true. Even in the worst, most harsh circumstances, it's not the case. Actually, properly, there isn't any, like for a long period of driving, there's one gas station and a liquor store. Then you have to drive two more miles to hit the next grocery store. But with <laughs> the food desert, it's not just that there can be a grocery store there, but if I'm making minimum wage, I'm not gonna spend all of my money on what is gonna last me two meals versus what's gonna last me an entire week. Yes. Or if, if I'm on EBT yeah. and I have specific things that I have to choose to buy versus what I can't buy. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in EBT. There's no there's no place in EBT where it says you are unable to buy produce or healthy foods. Come on now. Uh, let's just stop making excuses for it's just like everything out of the mouth is an excuse, an excuse, an excuse. You know what? Like I get it. You can drive into McDonald's and get a burger and it's quick and it's cheap. I mean, with inflation, not so cheap anymore. Uh, you can go to the store and buy rice and beans and it's way cheaper than going to McDonald's and a bag of rice and a few cans of beans is going to last you way longer than a McDonald's McDouble. So can we be so for real right now <laughs> in just being honest with ourselves? I hate this like crippling, handicapping, crutching of impoverished people. It's almost like we look at them and we say, oh, you're stupid or you couldn't possibly like get yourself out of the position that you're in because of the life that you lead. You couldn't possibly make healthy decisions for yourself or go the extra mile to find a grocery store that has produce. We just constantly place crutches for for people who have no disability to walk with. And we need to step out of that mindset. And yes, that does mean how do we look into solving the issue to getting healthy grocery stores in these areas to making sure that law abiding citizens have access to, you know, healthy food and that the shoplifters and the people who are committing crimes don't ruin it for the rest of, of their communities, but also recognize that you do have options. In Colorado, in the outskirts, there's so many small towns that you don't even know that they're there. You, most of them you won't see on a map, but if you're from there, then you'll know, and they all have to drive a decent amount to be able to go to an actual grocery store. But how often are you going grocery shopping? Maybe like once every two weeks would be typically I mean, I normal, so you have to do a drive My once family, every... I go once a week. Okay. 
And then they're doing the same thing. You all know when we talk about trans people and then people raise their hands and they go, well, what about intersex people? Because intersex people exist. So that means trans people exist. Okay. Y'all know the foundation for that argument. It's the same with obesity. So we have people in densely populated, high income areas who are struggling with obesity and lots of them. The average American is struggling with obesity. The average American can also grocery shop for themselves, has access to produce and healthy foods, but is simply choosing not to. And then people raise their hands and go, well, what about the people in small towns that don't have grocery stores or produce or they live in food deserts? So they use the intersex, they use the anomaly, they use the small percentage of people who do not have options to justify the fact that our entire society is actively getting more obese and less healthy every single day. So beware of people who try to utilize just an outlier to justify their entire argument because they are more than likely not telling you the full truth and again, using an excuse. So you're making a drive once a week, once every two weeks. This is not a lot of people have drive. access to the Yeah, like what if I don't have a car? I was like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't even And if you don't have, usually these food deserts also have very poor public transportation options. Yeah. Yep. So like you are left with people who are stranded. Yeah, but then what are they eating at all? Yeah, unhealthy I, crap. Like, no, but like, how are what, they surviving what, at all? Like drive through, they don't got a car to go. Yeah, exactly. They, they, usually, what I've seen when I go to those rural towns and those rural places is they have chickens mm. and they have animals. Right. And guess what? That's you can get some healthy, healthy food out of that. That's that like you know healthy. having eggs and protein and things like that. I think I would be healthier if I lived rurally. In fact, my wife I, and I are trying to leave the state so we're not near all the Uber Eats and all the. I grew, yeah. up, in a, I grew up in a town of 500. The obesity problem there was not as significant as, say, in LA. LA. Mm -hmm. And we talk about like food deserts and stuff. The nearest Walmart where I grew up was 45 minutes in any direction. The nearest McDonald's was nowhere near to be seen for a long time. So when I hear these, like, and I, you're, you, there could be some evidence there as like the obesity problem is very low lift. Were there grocery stores in your small town? Yes. Exactly. Like, like I'm, I, I'm like kind of baffled by the fact that <laughs> Thank you. Maybe, yeah, maybe I just too. need to go out there and like experience the food deserts, but like there was grocery stores where I grew up. Just because we lived in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't mean we didn't have access to food. And actually, and I have to agree, we did have access to healthy food. Mm -hmm. Very healthy food all the time. I, I, I don't think this is a big of an issue in my personal opinion. Fat shaming is worse than skinny yeah. shaming. He mentioned that uh, the obesity problems worse in LA than his rural than in LA than in in his rural town. I've just recently re moved from LA to the Nashville area in the south, and and the more I'm going out in on the town and in this area and in surrounding states, I'm noticing a lot more obese people here in the south than I was in LA. I feel like LA generally, uh, at least like more on the west side of LA, people are very, very conscious about their health. You don't see very many like run-of-the-mill grocery stores, fast food outlets, chain restaurants, etc. Is that your experience too? Wait, repeat the last part. You said you don't see well, as I many think, fast food chains. I think LA chains. doesn't have as much of a, of a health problem or obesity problem uh -huh. as much and, and major cities probably in the US in general, as do the uh, rural communities and rural states. I guess maybe in certain parts, like poorer areas of the cities, I'd say maybe it's maybe it's a problem. But in general, people in cities are more educated and more uh, conscious of their health. Do you think so? Yeah, I, I, I think like they did this thing where they broke down, I think people who are higher educated or experience higher education are more likely to make 
healthier choices in life. And maybe when you disperse that out, they become more densely populated in cities. So maybe cities would have less of an obesity problem in comparison to more rural areas. But I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a ton of different factors that would break down why this is happening. And uh, yeah, I mean, L.A. is also an interesting spot because it is like the health city. It's like where health conscious people tend to like populate. I don't know how that would translate over like a New York or, you know, an Orlando or something like that. And even so, L.A. is also really walkable. So is New York City. There's a lot of other things that I could think of that might play a role in these things. So I don't know. I have to think about that more and see how does it break down on rural versus city. And if you're listening right now, drop in the chat whether or not you live in a city or a rural area and how you feel like the obesity issue in America is affecting your community. So this one says uh, fat shaming is worse than skinny shaming. No. (laughs) Skinny shaming is worse because it makes no sense to shame somebody for being skinny. Absolutely makes no sense to come after somebody who by and large is going to be healthier than the average person. So like, why would you do that in the first place? And why would you come after somebody who has a a healthier lifestyle? Now, that's not me endorsing fat shaming. I think that's not okay too. And I don't think it necessarily works for a lot of people. You could argue there's a difference between men and women. Maybe fat shaming works a lot more for men. I've heard many men say, you know, nobody got through to me until my best friend told me I was a fat ass or something like that. And that's what really changed my mindset. I don't know if that that would be quite as successful with women using that sort of psychology on them. But I just advocate that you probably shouldn't use shame as a motivator for most people. It is a very powerful tool, but it can also be a very negative tool. And if you are going to use shame on people, it most definitely should not be skinny people as it literally makes no sense to shame somebody for being skinny. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, being cruel is being cruel, whether it's to a fat person or a skinny person. It's not a nice thing either way, but I I take your point in his distinction and... um, yeah, if the residual benefit of sh- being shamed is actually you getting healthier, then I guess that's more positive. Uh, but and also to your point, I saw I've, there's a famous meme going around of a guy who was like, this dude lost 70 pounds because his best friend told him that he was a fat F word every mm-hmm. day for like six months or something. Right. And it's I mean, there sometimes some people do respond positively to that type of motivation, but I think that's coming from a more tough love. You know, it's in a context of you know each other, you know the intent is not to just be needlessly cruel to you, mm-hmm. but to kind of put a fire under your butt. And I do think that you know, to your point, more guys would probably respond well to that. Than yeah, girls. I do think guys do better with shame uh, than than women do, or at least with women, it requires maybe a different type of of shame. I think women would be more uh, drawn to a healthier lifestyle by saying things like, are you going to be there for your kids? What example do you want to set for your kids and, and those around you? What do you think is going to make you feel better about yourself, be less depressed? And uh, that would be probably more motivating, for, at least in my female mind. That would be better. I mean. Which, oh, and I should also point out, there can be healthy forms of shame. Asking somebody, how do you think you want to be there for your kids or what example do you want to set for your kids is shaming them in a sense. But you can tell when shame is is brought to you with love or when it's brought to you with 
hatred. Coming up to somebody and saying, your kids have a fat mom is totally different than saying, is this the example that you want to set for the two children who are, you know, made in, in your image and with your likeness? Is that what you want them to, to have modeled for them? So I do agree that fat shaming is worse than skinny shaming. Just overall, entirely, right. the way that people like comment on people's weight mm -hmm. compared to somebody skinny, they usually don't comment on somebody skinny. Yeah. They don't. I don't think that's true. <laughs> not, not in my experience, not in my boyfriend's experience. You get comments like when you're very skinny, you get comments all the time. Where, where's all the food going? Oh my gosh, I, I find it funny because I'm not a sensitive person. So bear that in mind. But my grandfather, when I was young, would be like, you know, if you stood sideways in class, they'd count you absent. <laughs> and I think that's, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I couldn't see you behind that grain of rice. Right, exactly. Like you get comments like this, like, oh, you should eat more. Or you need to gain a little bit of weight, especially in the culture we're in now with like the BBL, Brazilian butt lift culture and the Kim K's of this world and she's thick or she's not thick. There's a lot of comments to be made towards skinny people and it does happen more often than I think people would think. Uh, so, so yeah, and again, I don't take it personally. I'm not super sensitive to that sort of stuff, but it is quite literally ridiculous just because it doesn't make sense to make that comment think there's something wrong with them. They don't, like, they'll maybe say like, oh, you're very thin, um, do you wanna eat a cheeseburger? Mm -hmm. But that's not as bad as telling somebody, you eat 10, stop. And you don't even know that they're eating 10. Fat shaming is a systemic problem. You're not gonna not get a job because you're too skinny. Skinny bodies are praised in our society, whereas fat bodies, like, I don't get it as often as other people, but I get a lot of comments on my Instagram that are saying like, you're really beautiful, but you would look a lot better if you lost 50, 60 pounds. Something. I'll wait. <laughs> I always get a lot of comments on is my masculinity as a man because of how skinny I am. It's always something that I've always kind of dealt with. My favorite comment is always I look like a uh, sickly ill Victorian child. Mm. And That's horrible. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that. No, no, no. I don't, it doesn't bother me as much, but this idea that skinny people can't also feel, get, get these kind of comments are just kind of mind blowing. That doesn't mean that they're, you know, that one side is getting it worse than the other. I think that there are both sides getting piled on just at different varying degrees. I think we're conflating two things as well. So there is a difference between fat shaming and fat discrimination. Fat shaming is an aspect of fat discrimination, but some of the things you were touching on are specifically societal and systemic fat discrimination that goes into our medical system. It goes into employment. It goes sure. into all of our civil rights as fat people that skinny people don't necessarily <sighs> have that same issue. And I come from cultures where they straight out called out skinny people. You look like Bones, oh, flaca, all like all of that. So I watched my cousins go through it. I went through it when I would get too skinny. As people, we are just too scrutinized when it comes to our bodies. We don't let people live. But I think that's a good point. You said you were called skin and bones when you got Not too. I, my cousin. Whatever. Sorry, not whatever, but your cousin. So people using shame as a motivator to get your cousin to not be too skinny. Shame as a motivator is a powerful tool. So the reason I stood over there is fat shaming worse than skinny shaming. 
Well, you could argue that shaming somebody in order to motivate them towards a healthy lifestyle is actually a good thing. Now, I have a lot of empathy because hearing your story about how you've been struggling with this since you were a child. Since I was like a newborn baby, like health, just everything's just been on that end where I've never mm. known anything about being skinny or being fit or being athletic. I've never known anything about that. Beef, so for real. Obvious, okay. If you can, again, I'll say this, if you can acknowledge your lack of education, you can acknowledge that there's education to be had. And I can guarantee you everybody sitting in that little circle has an iPhone. Uh, Google is readily available to like look up education surrounding healthy foods. You can say, yeah, as a child, I didn't get the education that I feel like I deserved. And that's valid, okay? Let's explore that a little bit. But what is that education that you didn't get that you feel like you deserved? And if you know what it is, <laughs> then you know what you should be doing now as an adult. You can only use that excuse for so long. You can only blame your parents and your upbringing and the doctors for so long. And if you're placing blame, you know what the issue is. It's paramount that you recognize it and acknowledge that. Probably your situation, I don't think shame necessarily would motivate you, but for somebody where it is a option, so for instance, if you watch TLC, you watch My 600 Pound Life, uh, uh, Thousand Child Sisters, Family by the Ton, all of them can do it. All of them have had this systemic issue That's of weight gain. I have watched those like as a younger person, and it would make me feel disgusted with me when I was a kid, so it would make me worse, and it made my mental health worse. Because then I'm like, is that how like everybody automatically views me as just like somebody who's oversized and could possibly never even attain it because it's so just... See, you have two different types of people. You have the people who see something like that and they go, oh, I hate myself, I'm never gonna be better. And then you have the people who view that and go, ooh, I don't like that about me, I'm gonna fight this and I'm gonna do something about it and I'm gonna make it different so that I never have to feel that depressive state again. So you can like sit in that depressive state and say, oh, I guess I'm stuck here forever and this is how I'm gonna feel about myself. Or you can go, oh, how do I, how do I battle that? And that's why shame is not the best motivator for all people. Some people need positive encouragement. If I'm supposed to take what she's saying at face value and say she's telling the truth right now, Maybe positive motivation is something that's better for her. Maybe it's a friend saying, you know what? Let's get up tomorrow morning and we're gonna go to the gym together. And no matter what, so long as we just step foot in the gym, we've already moved in a positive direction and I'm gonna congratulate you for that. And the next day we're gonna step in the gym and we're gonna stay there for five minutes and then the next 10 and then the next 15. And maybe she needs to be encouraged and affirmed in a positive direction instead of being shamed. Because from what she's saying, Shame is not a good motivator for her, but instead she's just going, I'm just gonna be here forever and this is my life and I'm never gonna move out of it. Instead of going, how can I find what does motivate me? If I know that shame is crossed off the list and that's not something that's gonna change my mind, what's the next thing? What's another direction that we could move in? Who's somebody who could hold me accountable? You just have to jump, you have to move on. Common. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, I really yeah. feel for her because she's clearly suffering from low self-esteem and uh, has come to this basically a state of despair or just complete demoralization with regard to uh, her health or the idea of her being able to attain a, a healthy body weight, and and that's really sad. But you can't allow uh, and feelings of feeling down on yourself to then uh, make 
justify you adopting a worldview or a view of weight or a view of health or a view of science uh, that is incongruent with reality. And I think we see a lot of the same stuff with, again, the the gender debate. Uh, you you have some, somebody who suffers from gender dysphoria or doesn't feel comfortable, feels insecure in their, in their body. And rather than sort of treating that as a uh, something to help walk them back toward reality, we just affirm their incongruence with reality and push them further away. And I feel like the, the body positivity or, or fat acceptance movement is very ready to coddle on you and to give you this prepackaged narrative that is going to justify you uh, continuing to move in that direction. But it's ultimately not good for you. It's not helping you get back to the truth about yourself. And eventually you are going to have to just face that reality and you can run from it. But uh, we know, again, the like your 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 physiology uh, still lives in the real world that your mind is not wanting to inhabit. And eventually those health problems are going to manifest themselves or statistically are much more likely to manifest themselves in your life if you don't align your mentality about your body with the truth about your body. And so uh, it, it feels good to, to pat people on the back and say, you know, everything's okay. You, you know, no, you shouldn't listen to all these, all these people. And I agree with you that it can be counterproductive to come at someone very hard in a sort of shaming way mm -hmm. uh, with the truth. And I mean, the ethos of my faith Christianity is like to tell the truth in love and that you need both of those because sort of the old adage, if, if people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care and you need a, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, however you want to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> however Package you want to frame it. it. But uh, you, the, the truth is still true. And if you care about people, you want to tell them the truth, but you also want them to be able to receive that truth. And so that does, uh, that does require a little bit of, tact a little bit of compassion and hopefully that is something that we really try to approach all of these topics and debates with on this show and that that's a kind of your calling card so yeah we try guys we try i don't think we should shame anyone to do anything no i think mm -hmm. everyone deserves to like themselves enough to like enjoy life mm -hmm. and if you do that as a fat person okay if you do it as a skinny person also chill it's not my business. Sh shame I is a broad category. I do think shame works in some cases. I think that there has been good fat shaming towards me and bad fat shaming. Bad fat shaming is just, you know, somebody just saying, you're fat, things like that. That doesn't really work. But what does work is somebody looking at me and saying, don't you want to be around for your kids? And that worked. I don't think that that's works. shaming. Yeah, like, do you consider that shaming? shaming? I do. Yes. I think that's shaming. I think they were I... telling me, like, you should lose weight to be around for your children. Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. shame, like like a, an attempt to like try and say something bad about like me. They're personalizing like, to it towards you and towards your kids. Like, sure. Of course, yeah. It's yeah, but I think and yeah. I think that worked. I think that worked. That really encouraged me to go go to the gym and start trying to lose weight. But uh, to you though. Like, sure. I, I think, think you have to be specific to the person. I think that's one thing is it, it depends on the person. Sure. And sure. if if someone wants to shame me and like you know it depends on the person. I've been shamed a couple times and it's kicked me into gear to try to gain weight, but. Uh, it's still really hard sure. and it's you know it depends on who you are I think when you were making a comment about people questioning your masculinity I get the question of actually looking like a woman all the time and it's always in play I always get compared to like male characters especially when I don't wear makeup and that's because I don't have boobs and I can't help that but it's definitely really really hard to like have people tell you constantly like here's the standard of how a woman should look and you don't look like that 
without even saying it. They don't say it. They're categorizing me. They're making fun of me, saying that I look like this one soccer player or something. And you know, I think it's funny, but also shame can also be hard because I, yeah. I can see what you mean. Sometimes it can really motivate you when it's out of love, yes. but when it's out <laughs> of pain and when it's out of like not knowing someone yeah. and just exactly. saying just it, then yeah, the people who said that to me about my kids were not yeah, just some random guy online. It was right. people who were close to me and I knew cared about me who mm -hmm. I had a conversation with. So I do think it it matters who says it, but I still would consider it to an extent shaming. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm okay with that. I think there is good shame. I think that's a, I think sometimes it helps motivate people in the right way. The body positivity movement promotes childhood obesity. Oh, this is Patreon exclusive. We're gonna move to the next. Diet culture has positive effects. Mm, not in the way that I'm viewing like what diet culture is, which is like fad diets taking on a certain lifestyle for like a month or two. That's always the way that diets have been presented to me, be it like through life or in media. It's like, I'm gonna do this thing for like three months to cut a bunch of weight and you know, everything's gonna be fine. And then I'll go back to what I was normally eating. I think, and maybe that's just mixing up diet culture with other things, but that's what I immediately associate diet culture with is like fad diets, short stints of changing up your food, short stints of extreme eating in either direction of either, you know, restrictive eating or just like binge eating to bulk and all this different stuff. So I don't think that it's positive. You might lose weight through through diet culture and end up with a maybe healthier body, but the mindset that's there is not uh, helpful. I personally subscribe myself to like an intuitive eating sort of lifestyle and I don't consider that to be a diet. I just consider that to be me making the mind and body connection, me thinking about what my body needs and eating in that direction. And when we view food as like, a, this is a diet that I'm doing, I think it actually separates us from the experience of eating. It externalizes it in a way that becomes unhealthy where we're not viewing food as like a healthy fuel for our body that gets our systems going, that makes sure that we feel good in the morning. We view it as like a mechanism towards a certain body type or a certain look or, you know, certain acceptance from, from society. So with that, all that being said, I don't think diet culture is particularly positive. Yeah, and I tend to agree, uh, of course, with your caveat, depends on what you mean by diet culture. I think some diets can be useful tools, mm -hmm. but a lot of times the subtext under which you're doing that is like, this, like you said, this is the way extreme eating for this amount of time and it's, it's not really healthy. But right. if you are against the backdrop of a broader intuitive, as you said, uh, perspective around eating, um, you can maybe adopt a, a diet if it's not like the be all end all of how you're going to get healthy, I think it can be useful to right. do different things. And especially if you have certain issues, like if you can't process gluten or whatever, you yep. can, you know, I mean, I guess that's more specifically medical issue. But um, yeah, I, I'm not huge on the dieting in general. And you mentioned like intuitive eating. Uh, when I did that uh, homeostasis change that I mentioned earlier, set point change, I had to learn like, okay, this is if I eat within this range of calories per day, my body's going to basically stay the same. I'm going to feel a little bit different if I eat too many carbs versus less and kind of monitoring everything. And I, during that time, I logged what I was eating and, and my macros and all of that and how much. 
Mm-hmm. It really gave me a firm sense of when I'm overeating, when I am eating too much of one type of macronutrient versus uh, others, and helped me just have an intuitive sense of how to stay within the range that I should. And because of that, I've really stayed within a similar range. And I do try to have discipline with uh, with what I eat and make healthy choices and prioritize protein and uh, not eat or drink an extra thing whenever I know I'm near my, my limit, but that's become more intuitive. But it right. was actually very helpful for a time to have a more strict regimen or to just be monitoring everything. But again, against the backdrop of education around how the body works and how uh, macros work and all of that. So yeah, I think there's totally healthy diets like in positions you can place yourself in. If you're like, like Taylor said, if you're like gluten, not good, dairy, not good. I, I notice that I'm getting an inflammatory response whenever I eat XYZ. So my diet is going to shift in this direction. That's one thing. But to be like, I'm gonna do a juice cleanse and eat celery for the next 15 days. And that's my new diet. That's where I want to like make the separation of what can be considered healthy or positive and what is by no means a positive mindset towards food. I I guess for me, diet culture is an important thing to have for people in the world. What I've realized after we're about to finish this up is there wasn't a lot of talk on skinny culture or like skinny people as a whole. Maybe that's because of how the prompt is. But I think it's important if we're going to give positivity to kids who are obese, I think it's important to give them the options to, you know, say if they want to lose weight, they can. And I, I don't see a problem with that in, in any real sense. I think that diet culture is a reason that a lot of people struggle with weight problems yeah. in the first place. I have even struggled with my own weight issues in the past, and uh, I was like struggling kind of with depriving myself too much because I had a trainer. Um, and then I started binge eating. And as soon as I had like a mental break where I was like physically in- incapable of stopping myself from putting food in my mouth, I immediately went to see a doctor. And that doctor told me to read a book called Intuitive Eating. And it wildly changed my life. And it was about getting past diet culture and how about how so many people ruin their lives with diet culture. And, you see it with like the somebody talked about eating grapes and lettuce yeah. and it's <laughs> grapes and lettuce and it's just like it's this extreme and so you go from one extreme and then you break and then you go to the other extreme and so like I was in my extreme mm-hmm. I broke went so that's why I'm anti-diet yeah. culture yeah I, I tried keto for a while um, and, and that's the thing about what I realized is like that fa- that fad diet kind of stuff and yeah did I lose weight I absolutely lost weight sure uh, I didn't keep it off and the reason I didn't keep it off is because um, diet culture is about turning the word diet from uh, your your overall eating into um, an activity that takes place over a period of time uh, a diet is should not be something you do from January until May of next year mm-hmm. diet is what you continually eat is what you continually put into yourself yeah Lifestyle yeah so my issue with diet culture is this idea of like oh I've got this perfect solution for you man all you got to do is this 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 and this and that and it's like no like the, the reality is is like yeah there are good correct and objective ways I think for a lot of people to eat and yes everybody has 
has to have some variations here and there. There's no one bag fix all, and diet culture is so much about trying to say like, all you got to do is just eat cheese puffs every day for the rest of your life. And, <laughs> and it's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I just, I that's why I think diet culture. Does I love him. He's so reasonable. Doesn't help. You know, you're always going to get those people who have the perfect answer. They have the perfect solution to either lose weight or diet isn't just losing weight. It's also gaining weight. Mm, yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people. Maybe it's just for me, but when I diet, it's actually uh, not the opposite of fasting. I'm trying to eat more. I'm trying to gain more. Yeah. And I think people forget that when it comes to diet. When people instantly hear the word diet, they think losing weight. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that should always be the case. I've been on a lot of diets. I've been on diets for myself. I've been on, put on diets, and I've been put on diets by my coaches. Mm -hmm. So when I was young, I felt like it was more so like fasting, 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 mm -hmm. not eating, but working out and maybe hopefully eating once you get home as a reward. And then when it became like, oh, like you're, you're a good person in the team to like be the big person, be the defender, be buff. So it was like, now we have to gain all this weight and we have to pound you out. So it was like, I had to eat like five meals in a day. And I, was, I felt so gross because I was just like, I've never had to like pull out like a, a bar or something and like eat it during class and be like, I have to eat this because it's part of my diet. When we talk about diet culture, we're talking about not your diet as a whole. It's usually a fad diet is what we're talking about when we're talking about diet culture. And for me personally, I know that I've seen a lot of, especially women in my life, going on fad diets that are just not sustainable. And that's kind of the purpose of diet culture is that it's not a sustainable thing. But we're all talking about like mainstream, like keto, like mm -hmm. gluten-free. And I, I think it's everyone's just polarized on these certain mm -hmm. ones that I believe that you should eat gluten. I yeah. think if you take it out of your diet, you're actually going to get sick. Unless you're, you um, are. Unless, unless uh, celiac, <laughs> celiac, no, yeah. like, yeah. It goes back to like what she said, yeah. which is, you know, intuitive eating. So what is the positive you think you've seen for people from diet culture, which I think, and I guess what do you consider diet culture? I guess like diet culture to me is the resources you need to get to where you wanna be in your life, in your body. I think he's just confused on the, the front of things because diet culture has a specific connotation. Always viewed diet By dieting, culture. do you mean like journaling what you're eating? Yeah, if you want to journal, if you want to, you know, talk to a therapist, if you want to work out, if you want to see a doctor, if you want to go on meds, like, everyone's but always... But it's not being super, like, when you diet, you're not being like, I'm completely cutting out carbs, or I'm completely doing this, I'm, right? I'm you're you're water only. Or are you, you're, like, watching your macros and your micros and you're calculating Like, that I guess if, if you're asking if I know how many calories I have to eat, yeah, like, I have to eat, like, 4,000 a day. When yeah. most people talk about diet culture, they've done some sort of extremely restrictive thing, and mm -hmm. when you do something really restrictive, it changes your brain chemistry and the way so that you much. think about food, and it makes you obsessive over food, mm -hmm. and then, but it sounds like the way that you're doing it is extremely healthy because you're not depriving your body of something. But isn't that just goes back to like, you guys are talking about the extremes of diet culture? Diet culture is one thing, and then, a healthy lifestyle having a and healthy diet is thing are two different things. Right. I personally don't think of living a healthy lifestyle as a diet. You've been in like a model spheres. Do you, do you see mm -hmm. diet culture and how has it impacted space? There was a point in my life like 
when I was a junior in high school where the person that I was with at the time, he's like six foot six and super tall. And so, you know, the mom was like, hey, like my son is going to go audition to this big agency, which is still big to this day. And, you know, you should come. So I went and um, I weighed 115 pounds and I was a D cup and they said that I weighed too much. And so it's insane. seeing that really struck me in the beginning with the negative part of dieting and just kind of went into the spiral of like, okay, well, if I'm too big, then what, what are people doing to not be this size? Like how, mm -hmm. how can I make it to be, to do what I want to do if this is my limitation to it? It took, you know, it's so crazy. Like what the through line here is in this video is just like, so many people have unhealthy views of themselves, so many insecurities, so many like anxieties surrounding the food that they eat, how it's going to affect them. And I wish we could just separate that from just like what is objectively going to make you feel better? How do we learn to listen to our bodies to gauge the responses that we personally have to certain foods that we eat? Because I can just guarantee you if we can get the pulse on that and start moving in a direction of actually what is objectively healthy, it's going to alleviate a lot of the mental disorders that are that are coupled uh, with how we eat right now. It is going to uh, alleviate depression and anxiety if you're living in a healthier body, if your body is happier with the things that you're eating and fueled better with the things that you're eating. It's not to say that it's going to completely get rid of those things. It's just to say it is such a helpful thing to do for yourself if you are struggling with those things because overall getting in a better and healthier state with your body is going to help you just in life in general and with your your lifestyle and they close out this video I think by just saying you know we're glad that we came together to have this conversation and this was the most I think respectful jubilee middle ground I have ever seen so kudos to them and uh, a round of applause for this group <laughs> because so often people are coming at each other's throats in this show and yeah I I think the through line here is we should be able to be to recognize things that are objectively true and it's one thing to accept your body and to say this is where I'm at and this is who I am it's another thing to say things that are unhealthy and objectively so are healthy and good for you and we should fight that while taking accountability for our own actions and how our actions affect ourselves and our bodies and we'll be better off because of it. Any final thoughts, Taylor? I mean, that was, that's going to be tough to follow. I feel like you wrapped a pretty bow on everything and then it to me to fumble around. But uh, yeah, I, I do. I did see that in the chat, some people are like, I'm trying to lose weight. What should I do? And immediately you get like a thousand different opinions. And mm -hmm. I sympathize like even with the, this final topic of the diet culture, it can get very confusing of knowing what to do. But to your point, uh, generally speaking, we know you should do some exercise to be healthy, whatever that looks like for you that you can integrate into your lifestyle. You should make your best effort to do it. We know the the basic core facts of like if you're eating, uh, if you're cooking your food and making like whole foods with like chicken breasts and potatoes and rice or uh, with vegetables and broccoli, things like that, like you're going to be better off than eating a bunch of junk and McDonald's and processed things. We know that moderation's okay. You don't have to 
be super strict and and make your life a living hell if if a, if a diet's going to work for you. When I say diet, not a fad diet, but yes. if, if your diet is going to work uh, in a way that's commensurate with a healthy lifestyle, it has to be uh, sustainable. It has to be something you can deal with. I have, and and that looks different for different people. I'm Mister like everything in moderation. I love to maximize my freedom. So that's what I was saying before. Like I know how much I can eat and I try to, you know, have discipline to stay within that. But within me knowing that and having that knowledge is power or truth will set you free. I know that if I have a beer, when I go watch mother Vikings the other night, I, that that's not going to, you know, make me have a beer belly all of a sudden, because mm-hmm. I'm also working out that morning and working out two days from then. Um, but I have another friend who is way more fit than me and like super cut up and he's on like intermittent fasting all day, eats two pounds of chicken at night, has a giant cheat day on the weekend. And that just fits his personality. He's much more like extreme in that way. And so I I don't think there's one prescribed manner necessarily, but broadly speaking, like we, we know what's generally healthy and, and do your best in your context to uh, try to adopt those uh, habits. And uh, I think you'll be better off. So I guess those are my final thoughts. Love it. Love it. And we're going to get some thoughts from you guys as well, because we are getting into super chats. Let's hear what you have to say. So here we go. Uh, kicking us off is RP Awareness Month, of course. <laughs> One of our MVP super chatters yes. says, hey, there, gang, I know this is a fat, skinny middle ground, but aren't they all about diversity, too? Where's the hot, normal Asian girls on this panel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get one. Uh, Jubilee brings in quite, uh, you know, uh, an eclectic group of cast members. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alex needs to go take a cold shower. Yeah, and for real. Do an ice bath. Uh, Reddit sex defender says, if one of these fat positive activists falls, uh, this is just mean. What this is, is it? just okay. a mean joke about uh, okay. people's weight. I'm not going to read it. Okay. Sorry. That is yeah, kind of the rule of our super chats. We don't name. try to denigrate people just for yes. the record, guys. We're very pro free speech, but cruelty, spamming, things like that. We're not going to platform. Okay. Jonathan Partito says, Hey, Amala, haven't caught you live since you were on Unapologetic. And what are the odds? It's about body weight. I'm super passionate about the gym and have been husky my whole life. Best way to ensure weight loss is tracking. Yes. Keeping yeah, calories in, calories out, as they say, which I guess it doesn't work for some people. Like some people are not analytical in that sense and they don't want to do the daily work that it takes. I'm one of those people like I'll like periodically download that app, you know, MyFitnessPal, where you can track things. And then after like three days of doing it religiously, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to I've got a general sense of what's going in and what's going out. And I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to be like this. Uh, but yeah, I think that that could be a step for many people if you want to start taking it more seriously and just having hard numbers on what's or what's going on in your in your body yeah i don't think it's like sustainable to do long term but i think it's good for probably everybody to do uh at least for a few weeks once just so you can gauge like just you don't even have to do it as part of like a restrictive diet or anything just log everything you eat so you can and they have it built into the app where you can like search okay i bought this package of chips at Mm -hmm. trader joe's or whatever and people have entered in the info in there so you just log that your best guesstimate of how much you ate of it and just do that and you'll see over the course of a week okay i'm consuming this many calories that's kind of how much my homeostasis is at and then if you wanted to try to 
uh, lose weight, then you're going to have to create a calorie deficit, maybe start with like three, 400 calories a day below that average and uh, do that for a couple of weeks, you'll start losing weight. Uh, but anyways, I think it is helpful to just establish a baseline so you actually know what you're working with, even if you're mm -hmm. not going to immediately use that as and I actually was telling Amla the other day, since I can't play as much volleyball during the winter here or really none uh, beach volleyball in Nashville. Uh, my body, I'm noticing, I'm like, man, I, I need more activity. And uh, I told her, I reached out to a friend of my brother's who's a bodybuilder and a fitness trainer. And I'm like, man, let me, let's get back in it. Hook Maybe it I need to do another bulk or something. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I may be doing some fitness coaching myself because I've definitely maybe lost a step as I'm aging and uh, <laughs> ready to have, have a new challenge to tackle. So I'm all of a sudden tracking calories again after like eight years of not doing it. But anyways, sorry for that rabbit hole. But No, it's exciting. Uh, <laughs> Harry says, I live in a minority city and even with corner stores and fast food places everywhere, nothing is stopping you from choosing healthier options. Buy flour, make bread, grow veggies on an apartment window. Yeah, there's just all, where there's a will, there's a way is my mindset. Most of the time, I you'd be hard pressed to like, give me an excuse that I think is completely valid. Of course, there are exceptions. But I, I think there's always a way to leave a help lead a healthier lifestyle, even though it might be harder for you as an individual. And I'll fully grant that. Uh RP again says, hey, Taylor, you said you were trying to get shredded. Uh, so how come you're not shredded now? Those baby arms looking a little small. What? Lol, JK, bro. <laughs> After we just talked Savage. about it, it's on the way. Now guys. I'm getting noodle arms comments. They used to be an Amala comment. <laughs> I, I'm still the, the noodle arm person on this podcast. I'm the queen. <laughs> so a little behind the scenes. Uh, I play Halo sometimes and... RP Awareness Month is my Halo buddy. I gave out my gamer tag once and he added me and he's actually good. So he's fun to play with. There you go. And uh, he was telling me he was eating like a bunch of ice cream or donuts or something the other day. And I was giving him a hard time about that. So, so there right you back go. at you, bro. Okay. If you're going to shot, shot fire, I'll fire Period. a volley right back. <laughs> Gunzo. Uh, Alex Lesher says, good day. I got to spend the day with my goddaughter and her younger sister and my aunt and uncle today. Oh, very fun. Okay. So we're hanging out with people that we love. That's always nice. It's nice to have good company, man. When I went to see my grandparents over Thanksgiving and my mom and my sister, I was like, oh man, I miss this. It's nice to be nice to be in good company. Yeah, that's just wholesome. Mm -hmm. uh, that just makes me feel good reading that. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Andrew Dozenberry says, you guys were my top podcast on Spotify this year. So congrats on the accomplishment. Love oh, the work. That's awesome. Yeah. I was looking at our Spotify wrapped on the podcast end of things. And it tells you like how many people like are watching your show or whatever. And it was like, so like 5,000 of you were, you were, you're your number one uh, podcast on your Spotify wrap, which I'm like, that's crazy. So if you do have that on your Spotify wrapped, post it on your Instagram story, tag me in it, and I will go like and share uh, your your stuff. I really appreciate you guys. And thank you for listening. Oh, my, oh my Spotify listeners, shout out. <laughs> hey, that, Love you yeah, guys. That's so cool. It is. Uh, Tipper T says, part one. Oh, this is going to be a two-parter. Okay. okay. I think people are exposed to intermediate advanced workouts in social media, which leads them to think you have to train that hard to be healthy, but that's not true at all. People aren't always part two. People aren't aware that you could do low impact workouts, for example, walking for an hour, lightweight lifting, 
And eating healthy could fuel your body and combat mental health, such as anxiety, depression, stress, etc. Yeah, that, you know, social media can be a motivator for some or a, like it just detracts from your, your mindset in a lot of different ways. And it, there is a point about that. And I've never really thought about that because I see a lot of fitness girls on like my TikTok or my Instagram or whatever. And obviously they're always like, here's me, you know, squatting three plates or whatever. And you're like, damn, like I'm not, you, you go to the gym, you try a squat with just the bar and you're like, I'm nothing like these girls or whatever and that can be motivating for some people like for me if I go on social media and I see a video of somebody doing something that is impressive or like they're at the gym I'm like oh, I'm gonna put my phone down and I'm gonna go downstairs and work out other people it's like I'm never gonna be this good why would I do this I don't look like her so I, it's different strokes for different folks. Uh, and I could see how if you never see somebody at the start of their fitness journey, you just think everybody's way ahead of you and there's no point in even trying. So that's a very good point. I've never thought about that. Uh, let's see. Andrew Dozenberry says, you guys were my... Oh, I just read that one. My bad. Uh, Celtic Blacksmith says, I'm baking cherry kuchen. kuchen? K-U-C-H-E-N, for a holiday party while watching today. Ironic subject, but you best believe I'm going to get fat off my mama's recipe anyway. Ah, this is a cheese cake-like pastry. Actually, kind of sounds kind of good. Sounds kind of fire, not going to lie. <laughs> well, sounds lovely. Good luck. Um, yeah, don't, don't overeat, for you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> get back to the forge, extra hard. Uh one more from RP says, I don't know who that Lauren girl is, but I love how direct she is without fear. Wish more people did that. I wish she was Asian, but I'd make an exception. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she's very straightforward. Um, uh, we know you have an Asian fetish, but yeah, I did like as she was very straightforward and just calling it like it is while still being very kind. Uh, Leah Menezes says, I've dealt with binge eating and I hate when people use that as an argument. If you know you have a problem, you have an obligation to work on it. Yeah, I mean, to each their own, Charlie's their own, guys. People will, there's people all day that will acknowledge their problems and do nothing. And I'm sure we all do that in our own little way in our in our lives. What I will say is it's, it's unfortunate for obese people that like you wear your problem and it's constantly something that is viewed by other people. And that, you know, it sucks that that's the case, but it is the, the cards that you were dealt. So I do, you know, extend my sympathies in that way that, you know, a lot of other people can hide the problems that they're dealing with and nobody ever gets to talk about it. But when you're a larger person, it's just there out in the open. So, you know, that sucks. But hey, it's life. MCC says, hey, Amala, currently going through the pendulum swing between right and left. Mm -hmm. Your videos have helped me. Never thought I'd be here. LOL. Oh. Well, that's awesome. You're you're always welcome uh, at whatever stage of the pendulum swing you're going through, guys. And we're happy to be a little haven for you to get together and maybe hear some new ideas and entertain some different perspectives. Angelus says, as a as a former fatty, going from <laughs> uh, three sixty eight pounds to one eighty five. He also gave kilograms, which is why I hesitated. One sixty seven kilograms to eighty four, mm -hmm. or as low as those. Uh, and then gaining lean muscle up to 220 pounds or 100 kilograms. I know how dark this life can be. Yeah, I can imagine. It's just, it's, it's a lot. It's no, it's not a small feat for a, a lot of people. But I can bet that on the other end of it, you probably feel fantastic. And it's just like I saw this video the other day of this guy saying, like, at the end of every day, take a moment and ask yourself the question, what was the hardest thing that I had to do today? 
And now I've started doing that and thinking about it. And when you just compare it to how hard your life could be or like what 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 the answer is, you, it is so motivating because I'll go to bed at night and be like, what's the hardest thing I did today? I woke up and did a workout this morning and that was like some stress that I put my body under. And then the rest of my day went fine and I did work and that's fine. And it really puts into perspective how far you truly could push yourself as a human being and how little you are actually doing. And that might not be motivating for a lot of people, but it is extremely motivating for me to, to put that into perspective each day. Mm-hmm. And you, you were doing the ice baths too. That, that's got to be the most difficult thing. That, yeah, that's why tough. you get that rush afterward. And then you're like, dude, I can just tackle anything. Mm-hmm. And then and then you're just like, oh, what's the next thing? Like, what's a harder thing that I can do for myself? Because it starts to just be such a positive uh, behavior. And of course you can push that too far. Like sometimes I listen to people like David Goggins and I'm like, okay, dude, chill. Like I get it. You want to like push yourself to the limit. You have no more cartilage in your knees or whatever. And you know, that's cool. And you can always push people to be harder and he's very motivating for people. But I just want to say like, okay, how can I slowly like level up and what's the next thing I'm going to do? It doesn't have to be astonishing or extraordinary. It just needs to be something that it feels like an accomplishment to me. Yeah. On my, um, one of my top songs on my Spotify rap this year was get that good feeling by Akira the Don, who's a DJ who puts together these mixes <laughs> of uh, like people like Peter Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan and Jocko Willink and get that good feeling is Joe Rogan talking about working out and like getting, you know, just getting, going to the gym and getting that good feeling for the rest of your day. And just the way yep. he like lays it out, it's like jet fuel motivation. So I, I used to listen to that. I, I haven't listened to it recently, but I guess I had it on repeat earlier this year when I wasn't feeling motivated at the gym. And, uh, anyways, yeah. so we all have our thing that helps. We all yeah, do. I guess so. Amla thinks my my little edits are cheesy. <laughs> no, as hell, I just think but, it's like uh, I think it's a men like men love that stuff. Men love that. Stuff. Whenever I see male content on the internet, I can just like pick it out of of a stack because it's just so like get up, bro. You're fat. You're doing nothing. Like, <laughs> chase something. Want something. <laughs> yeah, man. But like you said, it's like you ask yourself, what's the hardest thing you did today? Like when you know you're capable of more, yeah, you kind of need someone to just call that forth and be like yo, I know you're better than this and, yeah. and you, you can do it. Just get out there and do it. And mm-hmm. uh, I love that. Uh, okay. Let's see. Christina Shackelford says I'm plus size. It took me until this year to get my diet, right? People like cynical dude and Michelle McDaniel helped me get my mind straight about food. Very cool. I love that. That is one like perk of the internet. Now it is like a highly saturated market of ideas, but there's more, resources for things like that and healthy living uh than ever before you couple that with there being more resources for unhealthy living than ever before but if you can see your path and and see through it a little bit it's a really great tool isaac gorski says i can't watch these annoying fats uh take my money so i continue to support you but these people drive me nuts i can't listen to this hey you know what (laughs) all right not his episode in order to get through to the truth we must have the discussion and sometimes you're going to disagree with the people or it's going to be hard to hear it but you know at least at least they came together and they're saying let's talk about this and be honest about how we feel yeah presumably there's someone in your life that you care about who struggles with their weight and Mm -hmm. i think it's uh, healthy to put yourself in their shoes for a moment and think about some of the things that they hear think about some of the other narratives that they're being told and it will probably put you in a better place to reach out to them encourage them communicate with them and express love to them um, by 
walking a mile in their shoes. So ding, ding. maybe look at it through that lens and suffer through it <laughs> with us. Uh, Valeria Valdez says, I grew up poor and fat, but made the choice to lose over 60 pounds. And now I'm at a healthy weight. It is a choice, but to end this epidemic is really complex. Yes, it is a lot of work to do as a culture in general uh, to, to fix this problem. And who knows if it will ever happen. Eric Murray. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, we just watched, I sent you that video right before the show mm -hmm. came up on my Twitter feed of like one of the health department people for the, the presidential administration was asked about the obesity problem. And she was immediately like, yeah, well, we got to look at it as a slice of pie. And the biggest slice of pie is genetics. And then she was asked about big pharma and she's like, oh, you consult on the board of a lot of these pharma companies. And she's like, yeah, well, these medications are really helping people and blah, 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 blah. Just like Dude. total... Yeah, it's a complex problem. It's not going to be solved anytime soon if this is what's coming from yep. the, the top of our, our government. Giving we should... Ozempic to 12-year-olds and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Horrible. Yeah, and it's just so pernicious. Like, during COVID, we literally had evidence that if, like, a large percentage of the people who were being hospitalized and dying from COVID had the comorbidity of obesity, and they wouldn't say anything about it. We'd pound our fists on the table on the show and on the earlier show just saying, like, why aren't we, why aren't we talking about this? Why isn't, why isn't the number one thing we're saying, like go and Joe Rogan talks about that all the time too, but man, it, it's an uphill battle when we can't even acknowledge the reality and right. have the people in the highest institutions of society just say the truth. Uh, Which is crazy because they used like the fear and shame surrounding COVID to like get you to mask up and get you to stay in your house and not run your business, but they won't use the same mechanism of like fear and shame to tell you not to be obese which is yeah. just crazy because it's going to help you way more than anything else we did during that lockdown. And not to mention, use the fear and shame to get you to use big pharma products. Yeah. We won't make say sure the B you word, get your, 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 you know what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, before we, our blood boils more. Yep. Uh, let's see. Eric Murray says, as long as we have for profit healthcare in the U.S., uh, the only country, we will never prioritize exercise and diet changes as a solution to weight loss. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like that, at least to the extent that like how how it how we are structured when you make a profit off of people being ill, that's what's going to happen. Why would there be any incentive to advise people in any other direction? And I do like to think that like most doctors and people who become medical providers or nurses and all these different things, they do or or at least they think that they are trying to make people feel better and that they are trying to get people on the other end of whatever illnesses they're dealing with and maybe it's just corruption on a larger scale that is harming our systems but the more i look into it the more i think like the entirety of western medicine is just ill-structured and set with set up with the wrong incentives and the wrong intent but that's a topic for another day i could rant about that for a while <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Amy Grice says, I'm currently on a weight loss journey. I have PCOS and have decided to go gluten and dairy free with slow weighted workouts. It's 100% a choice to have a healthy lifestyle. Love from Straya. Yeah, love that for you. My uh, my boyfriend is gluten and dairy free. And, you know, by association, I've become largely gluten and dairy free. And I will say from my personal experience, and this is personal for me, I feel like inflammation for me has lessened. I don't deal with as much acne as I did before. And I think a lot of that for me was tied to gluten and dairy and having that in my system. And I think 
several people could benefit from that as uh, we know that these things can be largely inflammatory. Now, that's not something that I am going to blanket advise for people, but I'm, I'm curious to hear if your personal choice to do that led to similar outcomes because yeah it's like the girl saying she has lupus an inflammatory disease and then saying i want to like stack junk food on top of having this inflammatory disease it's just it blows my mind that we're not making the like connection to how food is processed and what it does to our bodies and i do think we need more extensive education on that but it's within it's not within their best interest to teach us that no, indeed. No. Hannah says, uh, my mom was overweight and unhealthy and suffered a heart attack at a young age. After that, we went on, she went on to lose 120 pounds on her own. And then a year later, just died in her sleep. You can try your best, but can't control everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's very difficult. I'm sorry to hear that. And I, obviously we don't know like the circumstances of everything or what led to what, but I'm, I'm just sorry to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Anisha says, I feel like the body positivity movement went from, quote, fat people have not less value as humans to, quote, fat is healthy. Uh, like so many movements, it has spun out of control. Can we please just go back to normal? Right. You can say everybody has value, but this is objectively unhealthy and we need to do something about it. And how those two things got confused is beyond me. But here we are. Uh, Dijanir says, as someone who has worked in a store for a while, I know EBT uh, only has a few restrictions. Hot food is one. Uh, the amount, but the amount of junk food and candy you see people buy is wild. Oh, Take yeah. junk and candy off EBT. There's so much that you can buy on, on EBT. Like I've seen people buying lobster and stuff with EBT. So, and that's not to say that that's the case for everybody. I'm just to say, just to say that I've seen it. Uh, so this idea that you can't get healthy food on EBT, again, beyond me. And it's just false. It's just not true. Um, the fact that people misuse it is a whole separate issue. Uh, but yeah, I hear California is going to be like banning Skittles in the next couple years or something. They just passed legislation for that, which uh, the libertarian portion of my brain is like, and you should allow people to make a bad choice if that's the choice that they want to make. But I'm going to be totally honest. I'm not sobbing over the decision to ban Skittles. It's literally poison. And this is coming to you. Like if I have any issues with food, it is candy and sugars and I can actively feel it within my body. Like how your brain is telling you, Oh, you should have some candy right now. You should have, let's get a dopamine hit and go eat some sour candy right now. And you have to f actively fight that so hard and it is not easy, but it's just the, the reality of things. So skinny person yeah, who eats candy choice. here, hmm. you know, uh, and on the EBT topic, I had a friend who worked at Walgreens and this was probably a decade ago, but he would tell me that people would come in that are with their EBT stamps and like buy, you know, Cheetos and Mountain Dew and yep. like a big mountain of, of junk food. And then they'd spend their cash on like cigarettes and lottery tickets. It's like, this is the world that we're living in. And I, it's like, I get, I sympathize with the impulse to help people, but man, you got to really monitor and have guardrails in place so yep. that you're not just enabling them to yep. continue living uh, unhealthy lifestyles. Uh, okay, uh, Mickey Rear says, my first live, I love listening to you too. I usually listen as I do chores while I work out. Oh, and awesome. while I work out, LOL, my motto, make no excuses, put in the work. Dope, love that. Yeah, I've been just like 
finding little tips and tricks that help me stay motivated. The one thing of like, what is the hardest thing you did today is one thing. Another one is like when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to get out of bed. I just go like one, two, three. And at the end, I like at three, <laughs> at three, you're moving in some direction. You cannot stay here. <laughs> so there's just like little things that your body and mind develop that just help you do normal human things, which sounds so silly, but it's just like, Sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need a motivator. And then by the end of it, when you finish it and like you do the workout, you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so much better now that I did that. And just to like to test the limits of your body is such a, a powerful thing to do. Yeah. Amla's over here girl mathing her way out of bed every morning. That's how I use girl math, ladies <laughs> oh, and gentlemen. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll say, too, I mean, cherish, you know, cherish the years like I'm I'm uh, coming up on my mid 30s here and things are slowing down a little bit. I'm not as spry as I used to be. I know there's probably older people watching or like, ah, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, cherish that time where your body's works. It's not fighting against you to, to do what you need to do. Uh, so, you know, just something I did see a, a meme the other day that was like, you know, you lament the fact that you're 30 or whatever, but imagine you were like in your nineties and then you suddenly woke up and you were this age, like, what would you do differently? And how, imagine how empowered you would feel to like take, take your life and your body and your health uh, yes. by the horns. So Dude, I see good... so many videos of old people being asked, like, how do you feel about yourself now that you're at the age that you're at? And one of the most common responses is that my brain is still the same as when it was young. And now I feel like I'm trapped in a body that can't do the things that my mind is capable of. And that is a nightmare to me just thinking about it. Not that to be old is a nightmare. It's just to say that if like, if I can take steps now as a younger person to put myself in a better position when I am 70 and 80 and my body can't do the things that I that it once could I'm gonna do whatever that is because you're saving yourself from being in a literal prison later down the line absolutely and like as my as I've gotten a little older my training has changed from like oh I'm just gonna try to bulk up and you know do all the the bro workouts to like making sure I have functionality in my my body that mm -hmm. my, I'm strengthening my knees that I'm working on like the little imbalances and issues that I have and and just trying to stay keep my body in a place where I can participate in the activities that I want to participate in and keep it, you know, ready to go uh, for, for longevity. And, and right. I think a lot of younger guys have that mentality, which is fine, you know, Hey, more power to you. Like, well, that testosterone's raging, like bulk up as much as you can, but um, that is something to be conscious of that you want to maintain uh, the ability to just live life and get in and out of cars and not be in pain and, yeah. and different things like that as you, as you age. Um, okay. Demarius Reyna says, I was fat because of mental health issues and the BP cause, oh, body positivity cause ignores those issues. To someone struggling, it's tough, but you're not a victim. You can change. Right. There's always, almost always a way, almost always a way. So like beware of people who are like peddling you excuses because, you know, even if the excuses are valid, that's not a healthy mindset to have in life. And those people, if you surround yourself uh, with those that have that mentality, it does, you are going to absorb it and it is going to end up crippling you. And that's one thing, like people who have this excuse-based mindset towards life want other people to feel the same way as them. And misery does love company in that sense. So you either have to like push back on them and tell them we can't continue to keep making excuses for ourselves or you have to separate yourself. 
Cyber White Tiger says, happy Wednesday, Amal and Taylor. I love the kindness you bring to the conversation. For some reason, weight loss has become such a villainized topic. We just want people to be happy and not dead at a young age. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like for, I think the people who come at it from an angle of maliciousness are the ones who ruin it for those who are trying to have the conversation with care. So it ends up being, we can't have the conversation at all because people come in and, and ruin it in some way. So it's, it's important to be mindful of taking care in your conversations. And truly, if you do truly care, trying to be compassionate. Valeria Valdez says, forgot to mention, I love your channel and the platform you've provided. Speaking for many, continue educating Aww. the uneducated. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for watching the show and for your support. Right-leaning RLL says, I put weight on after leaving high school uh, when I did gymnastics. Just recently lost 30 pounds to get back to my old weight, but still need to work on getting fully back into shape body fat percentage-wise. See, that's cool. And I feel like as you make progress and what is so cool for me and what I love is that like I, I tend to have... Uh, uh, what can be an unhealthy mindset towards working out in fitness in that I want to see body results. Like I, if I'm, I'm like, if I'm going to put into work, if I'm going to do an hour of like weightlifting every day, I want to see a bigger butt. I want to see bigger arms or whatever. And that's, that's one motivator, but it's not the most healthy way to go towards it. What I found has become way more beneficial to me is like, oh my gosh, I can lift you know, two and a half pounds more today. Or I now what once was, you know, just a 40 pound squat with the bar, I can put plates on the bar or whatever. And that gradual progress is so much more rewarding. And uh, for me is a lot healthier, even though I still do the body image stuff in my brain, because you, you can't help that. It's um, it's to some sure. degree. <laughs> it's always part of it. It's yep. human. We're human. Yep. Uh, I will say too, like after you've been working out like consistently for a while, it does become and, and it kind of shifts where you don't feel good until you work out. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so it's less about like, uh, you know, oh, I need to have these goals or I need to do this or that or the other. And it's more just about like, no, so that I can proceed with my day and feel good about myself. Yep. Like I need to, and it's not in this condemning sense. It's like, no, I want to go get that good feeling like Rogan uh, yeah. says. And I think that's when it becomes a lifestyle, but it does, it does kind of get easier because you're, you're going there knowing like I'm going to come out of this feeling better. Right. Um, or not feeling worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kit says, happy Thursday. Is it Thursday? You might be watching from Australia. Well, maybe. They, they, yeah, 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 it's Australian dollars. Yeah, okay, Australian. <laughs> so happy Thursday. <laughs> uh, how's it going in the future? Love that. Um, all, I hope you have, you all have a day as amazing as you are. Oh, that is so very sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> you guys are so nice. Very much. Uh, RP, again, says shots fired, Taylor, but my arms are bigger, which is why oh. I finished off them donuts while watching your guys' show today. Okay, yeah, so you spread you. them out after over another day. This is how men uh, motivate each other. I, I work out five days a week. Okay. All right. Well, hey. that, that's good to know. Hey. <laughs> you earn those donuts. You. There you go. Love Someone that Someone talked you. about their, uh, their little mantra a minute ago. One of mine is earn your, earn your calories, earn your leisure, and earn your rest. Or something See? like that. Yeah, and then people are going to be like, that's encouraging an unhealthy mindset. Why would yeah, you say I... that to people? It's crazy. <laughs> I'm like so, uh, so much of like what's happened. If you if you take something in an unhealthy way, that's on you. 
that's yep. on you. Unless you could prove that it's like directly unhealthy, it's on you for you interpreting it in that way and taking it that way. Yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> but really, I feel so alone. much like less uh, uh, aversion or or hesitation to like indulge in my moderate, you know, my craving and moderation. Mm-hmm. When I haven't worked out, I feel like I haven't earned to that. And so I don't. But that's another reason why when it becomes part of your lifestyle, it's like, okay, I did it. Now I, I'm free to live <laughs> and it within because I know I'm in my, my, my healthy space. And when I say like that is applying to like leisure and stuff too, like if you haven't been productive at all today, then you don't deserve to sit there and play video games. But if you've knocked off a bunch of things off your list and you want, you have a, you want to reward yourself with a little bit of leisure time, like right. that's fine. So anyways, mm-hmm. I, 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 you can certainly go to unhealthy extremes with that. Sure. But for me, it's helpful. Oh, perfect. The Taylor fan club says, what up noodle arms? The craziest (laughs) part of skinny shaming for me is when people would call me frail and then immediately hit me like, dude, did, did you not just listen to what you just said? (laughs) (laughs) You know, skinny people get it too. Like, don't get it twisted. Skinny people get bullied too, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, I think everybody gets it. We, we do live in a very like body centric culture in a lot of different ways. That's one that's one point on the body positivity movement that I will definitely second is we are very much focused on looks and, and things like that. So everybody's getting it in some way, shape or form. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Did you not just hear what you just said? <laughs> wow, this is definitely my new favorite uh, super chatter, the Taylor yeah. fan club. Thank you. Uh, shock therapy, WIW question mark says, uh, tech question. Can't see poll questions until I hit an answer. Then it's too late. Is it my side that's the problem? Others in chat say the same. P.S. Great work, both of you. I, I do see that in the chat a lot. I don't know. For me, that is not an issue. I'm constantly watching the chat as the show goes on, and I can see the poll questions, which is yeah. weird. I'm I don't know. curious. Are you using the YouTube app? If so, is it on an iPhone? Is it on an Android? Is it? On, are you using a browser? It depends on what platform or device that you're using. If you have ad blocker, I think right. there's a lot of factors that could go into it. I'm no, no tech guy, but I imagine it's right. something in that realm. Is, is your browser updated, etc.? cetera? Uh, Celtic Blacksmith says, the forge is on tomorrow's agenda, but my shop isn't heated, so I burn calories like crazy just existing out there, uh, forging a crucifix for my grandma. There you go. Very cool. See, it's nice to have a job that keeps you active and keeps things keeps things going. Sometimes I fantasize about that. Like, I'm like, oh, I wish I was, I wish I had a job that just like keeps me accountable physically because that would be dope. Like I should just, which is why I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I should just start training for something random and just pick something. But I don't know. I need, I need somebody to hold me accountable uh, if it's going to be like a larger thing, like, uh, like a a larger endeavor, which I don't have at the moment. So We'll see. Maybe. Go run, go run you a marathon or something. My like, little brother just ran the Marine Corps marathon in uh, DC a couple of weeks ago. It's like, Oh really? I could never do that. I just hate running. I've thought about doing <laughs> a marathon. Do I've literally told Taylor about this. I'm like, Oh, I should sign up for a marathon and then I'm forced. Cause I paid the money or whatever, but I'm like, maybe I need something a little different. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> I'll have to figure out what it is. You guys put your suggestions. What sport would you want to see me, uh, tackle <laughs> in the chat? Get your below. jujitsu uh, blue belt or whatever. For, okay. See, I've thought about this too, but then you're like, do I want some random sweaty guy all over me? I've seen videos <laughs> of, of men doing jujitsu. Obviously I watch UFC and stuff every now and then it's just like, Okay, it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> Did they not separate by gender in jiu-jitsu training? But that's the thing. You go to a jiu-jitsu class and there's like, there's no other women there. Or it's like 90, mm. you know, it's like 98% guys. Maybe one girl shows up or something. 
Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll think about it. Beach volley- I can train you beach volleyball if you want. I can get you real good, real fast. <laughs> I might be good at volleyball. I might be. Yeah. We did, um, what was it? We played that uh, spike, spike ball, ball one time. And Amala was sneaky athletic. I'm sneaky athletic. She quick. Got that sleeper athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. MD says, finally made it to a live while at work. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, Amala. So many people are insecure and want the world to address it for them. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, which we're all victims of it in some way, shape, or form. We all have our little internal insecurities, but you can't let that run the way you view the world and especially run the way you think the world should be based on your insecurities. It's like the worst thing to build your foundation on. Eric Brown says, advice, less processed equals healthier. I'm a fan of fasting. Great videos for fasting on what I've learned YouTube channel and eat more protein nice okay yeah I, I think for the most part that's a pretty good pretty good place to be eating less processed foods not to say that all processed foods are unhealthy there are plenty of processed foods that are that can be good for you but yeah that's and protein depending on you know what your goals are yeah i'm team i'm trying i'm almost trying to get my wife to eat more protein I'm, i do like- that's the greatest struggle of my life it is so difficult and i'm like okay i want to gain more muscle or whatever and i'm i can work out consistently i can lift weights consistently but if you're not eating in tandem with the amount of working out you're doing it just doesn't do anything which sucks (laughs) it's like it's difficult yeah and like i said i've been logging my fitness pal again and like i'm somebody who's always conscious like have i had protein today have i had enough with each meal you know Mm -hmm. it's like for me it's not a meal unless there's protein i always try to have a little extra especially if it's like leaner protein and like logging my stuff. I'm like, it's the end of the day. And I'm only 60% toward my daily allotment. If I want to be building muscle and I'm like had a protein shake that morning and ate Greek yogurt. And it's it's like, dang, this is tough, man. Uh, But yeah, no, I do it. I can't even imagine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like 115 pounds and like you're saying you're supposed to do it based on your weight or whatever. I can't imagine like being a man, like a large man and having to eat at the same uh, st- structure. I don't know. It's, it yeah. sounds insane. You spend half your day chewing. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Deirdre Ass says, Hi, I love your content. Would love to see you and Brett Cooper collab one day. <laughs> one of these days. There's an idea. <laughs> Maybe one of these days. <laughs> Who knows, guys? She's too busy filming in Hungary right now or Dude. something. I don't know. Are they still over there? Yeah, I think so. So so. they're putting out that new movie. I know. My gosh, they're hustling over there. Uh, Eric Brown said, oh, no, we just read his. Sorry. Right leaning RLL again says I work for a prof for a for profit hospital and we do advise diet and exercise. Another issue is that the government standards and CDC slash FDA type advisories can be incorrect and harmful for the general population. Yeah, dude, they're crazy. I saw like uh some american pediatrics association saying that they recommend ozempic for like 12 and up or something like that and that they're working towards weight loss shots for younger what are you literally talking about it's so crazy to hear some of the things that come out of our medical associations like the ama and all this stuff i can't i can't deal with it again i this show is already long we've been here for two two and a half hours nearly oh my gosh. i could go for another another two on this topic <laughs> hi uh, I think this is our last super chat on that okay. note. So uh, we are going to land this plane here with Amaris Reina, who says we'll never support a body trend. Uh, we should 
all just aim for health. Sure, that looks different for everyone, but we should also hold each other accountable and do our best to prevent human extinction. I do agree. The body trends are getting crazy. Like, I can't even imagine what the next thing is going to be. Like, now it's the buckle fat removal and the BBL culture and lipo and all this stuff. I'm like, what is the next thing? Like, what? How much further can you go from here uh, in, in, like plastic surgery and the next trend like how much more ridiculous can you get i don't know we shall wait and see we'll be here to cover it when we find out (laughs) and guys that's our final super chat i hope you guys enjoyed this episode it seems like this is a topic we haven't touched on in quite some time so we did have quite a bit of activity many different thought-provoking conversations drop your thoughts in the comments down below as always i encourage healthy debate so if you disagree duke it out but do so respectfully we always encourage that on this show and If you like this video, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Plus, we post videos for you guys every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Tomorrow's video is about a young Kansas City Chiefs fan who got accused of blackface and cultural appropriation. So that's going to be a fun (laughs) story. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Thank you so much for watching. Get some activity in today. Let's encourage healthy mindsets and motivate each other. And with that, I bid you adieu. Bye, guys.